What's up, everything? Just in time for our Blues season preview, Doug Armstrong fucked with our expectations by acquiring defenseman Justin Falk from the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll look at every aspect of the trade, including what it might mean for Captain Alex Petrangelo. Then, we'll dive deep into our season preview with a player-by-player breakdown of what to expect when you're expecting. The offseason is nine months pregnant, and we're scheduled to induce on Wednesday the 2nd. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! everyone welcome to the two guys one cup podcast it is thursday september 26th and we are coming to you where are we coming to them from tonight ian uh calumet in the upper peninsula of michigan it's that little bit that wisconsin isn't quite wisconsin want. and isn't quite canada it's like the taint of the upper midwest i would say <laughs> wow um, you know we'll yes. just start there uh ian have you been practicing your lamaze breathing for this birth we're expecting uh, ooh, ooh. Uh, now i just like a monkey <laughs> You know, so uh, that's what they say. You start sound like a monkey if you want that baby to come out. We, we had a recording error for the first two minutes of the show where Ian sounded like he was doing the Bane chant from The Dark Knight Rises. And I think maybe that time you were trying to do the Bane chant, but that that definitely did sound more like a Tarzan situation. Mm-hmm. But hey, Ooh, you know, ah, ah, as long as that baby gets out and out and it's a healthy NHL season then we're all great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think tonight we should start by really discussing the ins and outs of uh, our th- third line. I think mm-hmm. we should give people a deep dive into that because nothing much else has happened. Your what thoughts? Is a, what is our third line? See, no idea. <laughs> I didn't want to start the real conversation. Well, that's true. Why don't we start the real conversation, though, by talking about the Blues acquiring Justin Falk? What? You have to say, what the fuck? What the fuck, indeed. Were you as caught totally off guard by this as I was? Oh, very much so. I looked at my phone at work, and I didn't know how to feel. There were so many parts to this trade that made me happy and feel weird and scratch my head and be happy again, but then back to feeling weird. It was it was an odd trade to read about. I looked down at my phone. I was pulling into a gas station legitimately, which is good because I wouldn't I would have died on the road. But I looked at my phone and I saw Blue's trade alert or whatever, you know, whatever the first big big eye catchy part is, and I'm like, whatever, we traded, you know. Ravi Fabry for a third or whatever. Like, it'd be weird, but it'd be whatever. And then I saw, like, Justin Falk, and I was like, no, 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 I don't think so. And, uh, yeah, so the Blues acquired the big right-handed defenseman from, I believe, Snowflake, Minnesota. I've seen him listed as from South St. Paul, but Mm. I also saw Snowflake at one point, and I'm going with Snowflake. (laughs) 
Now, I'm not like a native Minnesotan, but I've been up there plenty. You don't think Snowflake exists? I've never heard of it. Maybe I'm... I don't know where I read it. So, South St. Paul, Minnesota, as we Mm. all said, as we always said, probably those liberals scheming, you know, how they're Snowflake. So, there you go. (laughs) There's a shout out for the MAGA fans. But anyway, Justin Falk, uh, he is a longtime veteran of the Carolina Hurricanes. So, I thought it made sense sense to find someone in Carolina that knew a little bit about Justin Falk a little bit more than we did. Uh, So I talked to uh, my friend Matt Kosman from the Hockey Writers and got, he was gracious enough to give us a few minutes of his time before you got here this evening. Uh, So I thought we'd start there and then we'll give our thoughts on the flip side. Actually, you thought that because you're the wizard and I'm, I'm the guy who says stuff. Also a wizard. Oh, we're both wizards. I'm not a a squib? Mm -mm. Oh, well, that's very polite. That's an extra big curtain. uh, Hopefully Matt enjoys our uh, Harry Potter references. We certainly enjoyed having him. So we'll do that interview, and then we'll see you on the flip side. Do people still say flip side? All right. We are here with my friend uh, Matt Cosman from the Hockey Writers, and he is here to talk about the Justin Falk trade. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I uh, I got to tell you, I was driving to help a friend out with his dog. I was dog-sitting a little bit the other day when I uh, read the headline, and I was luckily at a stop or I would have driven off the road. <laughs> um, I think... You know, I'm, there were a lot of rumors about Justin Falk being traded, but I was certainly shocked that it was the Blues uh, that traded for him. So tell us how you were feeling that day. I mean, there was the news of, of him getting pulled, which uh, didn't register with me that day, even though I'm usually scanning Twitter relentlessly because I guess I just wasn't. But the news of him getting pulled and then the rumors and then what finally happened, how were you feeling on that day? Well, uh, when I first saw the rumors that, Oh, well, the news that he got pulled off the ice, I uh, I kind of just hunched my back and started refreshing Twitter like crazy, <laughs> waiting for something to happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, um, uh, I do that too, so I understand. <laughs> yeah, but I, uh, I had a feeling he would get traded that day, because obviously there were so many rumors leading up to that day in general, but um, when you get held off the ice and then Rindamore comes out and says, there's no problems with his health, he's not injured, I was told to keep him off the ice, that's when I knew something was up, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of. A big I, I assumed the trade was coming. Um, what I didn't assume was that he would be traded to the Blues, uh, which kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, because it seemed like I mean, probably about a week ago, it seemed like that trade with uh, Anaheim. I wanted to say Arizona. Anaheim was all but you know in the books, and then they couldn't right. get an extension in place, and that kind of fizzled out. So what what had the rumors been right before the trade? Was it still Anaheim, or was it just kind of nobody knew, but they knew it was on the move? Well, I think a little bit earlier in the summer they were obviously the Nikolai Ehlers rumors mm-hmm. that were going around. Um, and then those kind of progressed into the Andre Kasha rumors. So um, I was I was expecting if I had to make a guess at that time, I would have guessed Anaheim. Um, but at the very least, I would have predicted that the Canes would have gotten a roster forward. That's what they needed, especially when Justin Williams announced he was taking a break from hockey. Mm-hmm. I assumed, you know, the no-brainer decision would to be would be to find a roster player. Um so yeah, the, the the trade was definitely a shock. 
Yeah, and it's a bit strange because the, the Blues seem to have an excess of, of roster forwards right now, or at least rosterable forwards. Um, but, yeah, I think from our end, I would say you got a pretty good return. We can talk about that in just a minute. But why don't we start with just telling us a little bit about the kind of player the Blues are getting in Justin Falk, because I think a lot of St. Louis fans know the name but may not know a lot about the player. So what do you think the Blues are getting back in Justin Falk? Right. Well, um, Falk's obviously been a hurricane for a long time, um, and he's grown into a guy who the Hurricanes look to as one of their leaders. You know, he was co-captain last year, and this past year was a, an alternate captain. So he brings a lot of leadership qualities. Uh, he's also good with the media. Uh, he's a no BS kind of guy. So if you like straight shooters, then you'll like him. And uh, you know, he gets he gets talked about as an offensive guy. You know, he's no elite player like Eric Carlson or something, but um, he's ran Carolina's power play for the past few years, and he's that's one of the things he's best at. But I think a lot of people don't realize is that he's good defensively too, and I think his defensive game gets underrated a lot. Um, he's physical. He he likes to hit. He's one of the he was one of the top hitters on the Hurricanes last year. He's good at blocking shots. Uh, so he's a pretty well-rounded guy, and uh, I think he'll fit right in with the Blues. That's good to know. Yeah, I think I mean the Blues have a. Had such a strange year last year. It's hard to even know, you know, where they are as a franchise. I mean, obviously they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, but uh, you know, that was always going to be an adventure this year to see what they became uh, in terms of you know how much of that magical run was momentum and how much of it was kind of just a return to what the team really was but now adding Falk in I mean I think the the biggest need they obviously had was a power play quarterback so I think he obviously right. fits there but um it's good to know he's a good locker room uh guy too and kind of I guess to go along with that question I mean Falk it seems like has been in the rumor mill for a long long time and he's one of those names that always got sort of brought up why do you think that was do you think it was just because his contract was coming up first and and the Hurricanes have such a loaded defensive core do you think there was more to it than that well obviously that was a big thing you know he was entering the final year of his contract and Carolina kind of made it obvious you know Waddell for the past year um they were, he was trying to get him extended, but they were nowhere near a contract extension. So um, we all kind of knew it was coming, but it kind of started, you know, the past few years, he's been dropping off a little bit. His ice time's gone down because guys like Slavin and Pesci have come in and really, really been great defensemen for Carolina. So um, it's a combination of that. And even Dougie Hamilton as well came mm. in. And, you know, he was second in the league in goals for defensemen last year. So um, the bottom line is Falk kind of became expendable. And the timing was good because his contract was expiring. So um, the trade made sense, especially at this time. Yeah, and I guess with the arrival of Jake Gardner, too, a couple of weeks ago, which was also a surprise, that probably all but sealed no, the No, that was definitely right? the nail in the coffin, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it, it makes sense for the Blues, too, because, you know, Joel Edmondson, in a lot of ways, was sort of, I mean, they're very different player types, but they were in similar situations. The Blues had uh, sort of planned for Joel Edmondson, I think, to be a big part of their future. And then, uh, especially after last year, Jay Bomeister really bounced back, and Carl Gunnarsson got healthy and bounced back, and Vince Dunn came out of nowhere in the last couple of years. I think he just yeah. kind of became expendable in the same way. But I think the the Hurricanes are getting a good a good person for sure and a really good player, kind of a very different player from Falk. 
uh, but a good, reliable defenseman there. How do you feel about the return the Hurricanes got in general? I I love it, personally. Um, I I think the Hurricanes got the better end of the trade today. Mm -hmm. I think three, four, five years from now, we might have a different opinion on that. Yeah. But I don't think... I I think Joel Edmondson is going to be the perfect fit in Carolina. And after we got Hamilton last year and we we just signed Jake Gardner, um, we got two guys who can run the power play, be the offensive puck-moving defenseman that we need. Um, what we did need is is another penalty killer, another guy who can be a solid defender, be a little physical, and Edmondson fits that perfectly. So um, I think he will be a good addition to the team this year. Um, but I'm a little more interested in Bach. Mm-hmm. I think Dominic Bach has a little bit of a little bit of style to his game. I was watching some of his videos, um, how he handles the puck and how he creates open space and how he shoots. He's he's like a magician with the puck. So. That's the piece I'm really excited about coming back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've only gotten a few chances to see Bach in person in the rookie camp, and I think he was at Traverse City last year. But he is definitely he has all the high end skill that you could want. It's a kind of a it's it's always hard to tell because he's in Europe and he's so young. I definitely think he's a few years from the NHL. But if he gets there and he, you know, presents as much skill as he's got right now, he's going to be a special player, and he's going to. You know he's going to complement this young core. I think you guys have coming up right now, and it's kind of nice. We talked about this a lot with the Blues because they had a good crop of young forward uh, talents. It's actually kind of nice that he's a little farther out. I think because mm-hmm. it's already it's sort of already you know a built-in top prospect a couple of years from now that you don't even have to draft you know in an upcoming draft. So I think that works well for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. This trade is, we've obviously discussed it a lot already. We'll, I'm sure, discuss it more uh, today and throughout the season. But I feel like it kind of came out of nowhere with the Blues, and I, I, I'm still just shocked by it. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, what it becomes and, and what it means for both teams. I really like the Hurricanes. I think a lot of people in St. Louis just have kind of good feelings towards the Hurricanes, especially after the storm surge and everything last year, sort of similar uh, overlooked markets a lot of the time. So, you know, I hope it works out well for both teams for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have anything else you'd like to say about the trade in particular or anything, any questions you have for us from the, you know, blues side of things? Um, no, I, I'm actually just looking forward to the first time the blues and hurricanes get to play. I think that might be a fun, a fun new little rivalry that comes along. Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, it'll definitely be Fox chance to return to Carolina. I don't know which games first home or away, but when that happens, I'm sure they'll have a nice ceremony and everything. So that'd be really cool. I'm looking forward to it too. Well, uh, thank you for jumping on with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know people can find you at Matt Cosman. That's C-O-S-M-A-N on Twitter. But do you have anything else you'd like to plug or put out there? No, no, I think that's everything. I appreciate you having me on, though. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I'm glad to have you. And I know folks who are looking for uh, a good angle on the trade, your article on the Hockey Writers was really good, so we'll tweet that out, too. But really appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we can have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Stephen. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Okay, thanks again to Matt for coming on, and I appreciated his insight. Uh, I think... What what he pointed out in the player makes a lot of sense for what this team needs. He's a power play quarterback, has been for a long time in Carolina. 
Um, the Blues need power play help desperately. Petrangelo and Pareko are both ill-suited for that role, mm-hmm. really. I mean, they're not optimally power play quarterbacks. That's unfortunate. You would hope, you would hope that they would have that like, head on their shoulders defenseman. to do it. Yeah, I mean, they both can do okay, but mm-hmm. like they're not really creators in the same way that a real offensive defenseman is. Um, so Falk makes sense from that angle. You know, depending on who you talk to, he's an okay defender to a kind of lousy defender. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think he's he's fine. And, and the nice thing about at least this season is his whatever weaknesses he might have on defense are complemented very well by uh, Petrangelo and Pareko being able to hold down that aspect of the game. So... Uh, why don't we start with you, since I talked a little bit on the interview. What were your initial thoughts when you heard that this trade was happening, and uh, how did you respond to that initial, you know, looking down at your phone at the desk or wherever you were and getting the news? Uh, I was just surprised that we got him for what we did. I didn't think of Joel Edmondson and... Dominic Bach were going to get us Justin Falk mm-hmm. necessarily, and I guess it made more sense. Especially given, an extended dump, Justin Falk. Yeah, I think the extension actually is what threw me even for a bigger mm-hmm. loop. I was thinking we, ha- I was thinking we'd have him maybe extended for like four years, or maybe not even extend him at all, mm-hmm. and just think, okay, this is like our weird, we're going for it again you know just screw it we don't care if justin falk leaves next year we're just going to have him for one year and we're just going to stack decor mm-hmm. so i think the seven-year extension threw me for a loop um and also the fact that he's a right-handed shot i mean i'll take a good defenseman all day every day i don't care what side he shoots on but we already have petrangelo and preco on that side sounds like we're going to use them in a top four role and so he's probably going to play on his offside on the left I, I just I'm curious to see what they do with them. I think there's an enormous amount of different things we could see pairing wise. We could see power play wise. I think it gives Doug Armstrong a lot of flexibility along with and Craig Berube too with how they plan this team moving forward, how they use them, mm-hmm. and it gives them a lot of flexibility with players coming off the books in the future too. Mm-hmm. It was just odd. The the extension's kind of odd to me. Yeah, it upsets. That's the only odd part. And I and I don't mean this as an actual analysis of the extension, which we'll talk about. But it upsets me to know and to look at and just reckon with the fact that he's signed through twenty twenty seven. Yeah, like, that's not a year. That's not a real. If he year. stays here, that this whole time he'll come off the books when I'm almost thirty seven. Mm, not okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that itself is bizarre. Um, yeah, I mean, my initial reaction was just shock. You know, mm. just like what? Like, I think I think we've talked about a number of times this summer that I didn't, uh, me especially, didn't feel like the season was. The offseason mm. was done, like there was more movement to be done. And I think around the league, there still may be more. I think the, the Jets, especially if Dustin Bufflin really is retiring, are they have to find some right-handed mm. defenseman. And I heard some people speculate that maybe the Blues were like <laughs> cutting them off from Justin Falk, which is a weirdly punitive mm. move. But, but if you're to believe Tim and Sid up in Canada, we're going to trade Petrangelo to the Jets. I think... One of them had an aneurysm yeah, and that forgot was, what they were saying. I mean, that would be 
We got like Kyle Connor back. I, don't, I think I mean, I pref- I'm not going to say no. I prefer Connor to Line A. I know mm. I'm in. Maybe I feel insane there, but Connor feels like the sure thing. We've already got kind of like an inconsistent scorer, man. So I don't know that we need to. But anyway, um, yeah. Leaving aside all that and just analyzing the player for a minute, I mean, you you can't deny we're better for this season. Oh, for There's sure. There's no question. That's not even an argument. Um, I think we're... We probably had the best right side in hockey, mm-hmm. I would say, pretty confidently. I'd say we're like a top five defensive quarter. Oh, and we for were, sure, We yeah. were already, I'd say, at least top ten, but uh-huh. I think this pushes you into top five because yeah. as much as they'll say, oh... Yes, his shortcomings here and there. He's still like a sought-after defenseman. They got mm-hmm. rid of him because he was the oldest one they had, and they had younger guys that surprisingly, and to their credit, are better mm-hmm. because was it Brett Pesci mm-hmm. and Slavin Jacob are Jack just Slavin. yeah are just amazing Studs. defensemen. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's definitely a, a big part of it. And I also feel like on the other hand, like. Our left side, which was formerly too thick, is now too thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because I don't. Can we rely on full seasons from Jay Bomeister and Carl Gunnarsson? Certainly we can't. Not Carl Gunnarsson. Carl Gunnarsson, no. I mean, there's literally no evidence to suggest that he can play even like 70 games <laughs> in a season, you know? I guess. And so I guess, do they really just think a lot of Borgman and think mm-hmm. he can shoulder that load? Probably. We've got Borgman. He's played half a season in the Pouliot. NHL before. Got yeah, I mean, Mikola. we'll be fine. Oh, Mikola's lefty, too. Yeah, yeah, we'll be fine there. But, like... They're not necessarily proven guys as you want in there all the time, but uh-huh. you can you can constantly be chucking left-handed defensemen up well, there that are serviceable. Yeah, and you need to find which of those guys might be a long-term fix. Yeah. Bomeister... You know, maybe he's back another year after this. Maybe he's not. But both Bo Meister and Gunnarsson are certainly in the final stages of their life <laughs> as a it's Blues time, player. It's time to, you know, take them out to finish. Get your, get your things in order. <laughs> That's right. Um, but, yeah, so, but Falk obviously makes us better. Like I said, I think he's a, an, an obvious fit on the power play. I like that a lot. Uh Joel Edmondson seems like a really good guy. You hate to see him go. You know he's friends with Robbie Fabry and a lot of the guys. But Jordan Bennington. At the same time, was he? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. But at This the, is going to ruin Jordan Bennington. Yeah, this is going to shatter this team. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like, very respectfully, a very replaceable on-ice talent, mm-hmm. I think, at this point. Well, I think we kind of know what... The was on the wall a yeah. bit when he was getting benched in the playoffs, you know. It's yeah. just... I get it's a high stakes and a one year contract games, with his yeah. deal expiring. I mean, yeah, he was we the most about, disposable when he signed that. We talked about how tradable he probably was, and I thought it would be more of a like get him out of here for like a third round pick or whatever, not this sort of thing. But yeah, I mean that I hate I hate to see Bach go. I think he's really talented, and I was excited to watch him develop, but. At least he's going to a place where I can still root for him and mm. not be opposed to him. And you know what? Of our of our of our higher value prospects, he's definitely the one that I think has some bust potential. You know, because mm. he's just so unproven and European. <laughs> we just haven't seen him on North American yeah. ice at all. Yeah, and he was going to be another full year in Sweden this year, and then. Um, 
it's going to be at least another year before that that I think he'd make the NHL. And mm-hmm. while there are some people on Twitter that think he's, you know, maybe a, a really elite prospect, I don't... Very see, kind of you. I don't see the evidence to put him in that top, top tier. And, you know, we put Costin in the fourth tier at the prospect pyramid time to kind of suggest that he needs to show us something. I think he's shown us enough in the preseason that he could arguably be bumped back up into a tier three. So I, I like our prospects still. It's thin, you know, but that, you gotta, you gotta give to get, that is a segue to the other half of this. Which is Pareko is locked up for what two more years after this one? Yeah, three more years, including this um, season. Falk is now locked up for eight seasons. Mm-hmm. Petrangelo is a pending unrestricted free agent. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the more I thought about this trade, the deeper the layers went. Where uh-huh. I was like, oh, and this is weird, but I love it. And I was like, okay. Where does he fit on this team? We'll figure that out. And I was like, wait, what does this mean for the team moving forward? I, I don't know that... I I thought getting Falk, personally, was just Petrangelo's gone. That was my initial mm-hmm. thought. And it's still the prevailing thought in my head that, yes, this is showing that Petrangelo that is gone. That cat does not want to see Petrangelo gone. leave. I or also, she very much wants to see Petrangelo <laughs> she's gone. She's just very opinionated yeah. one way or the other. I, too, would like to see Petrangelo stay, and maybe I'm convincing myself of something that won't happen, but if Steen's coming off the books, I guess the year after next, but if you trade him, uh, Jake Allen, if he gets traded, Bo Meester's off the books, um, Shen, if you don't if you don't re-sign Shen, you know, if you don't keep him here, past the summer he's gone you have money to play with to keep petrangelo here and he doesn't seem like the type that's just going to go running after a huge payday when his wife's from here he's just a quiet leader type guy he does not seem like the i want the toronto spotlight sort of guy to Mm -hmm. me at all no no no. so and i feel like of anyone he's someone that could take a little discount not Mm -hmm. a big discount but let's say under 10 million Oh, easily, yeah. So under nine, maybe you yeah. want to stay home. I could see us keeping him, but I also feel like I just made a. I said a lot of words until I said I could see us keeping him, which makes me think he's probably going to test the UFA market. And to be honest, I don't fault him for that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fault him for that. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I think. All I would say, speaking of getting your affairs in order, mm-hmm. all I would say is if if you're like a big Alex Petrangelo fan, mm-hmm. you probably need to mentally and emotionally prepare yourself for him possibly not being here. On the other hand, and I think this is a point that Jif Jeff Jif Jeff what have we settled on Jif Jeff Gif Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's gonna change again. <laughs> it's going. Uh, he made repeatedly to us, and I, I do think it's really a prudent point. Uh, just that Armstrong has flexibility now, mm-hmm. and lots of it. You know, we have a, an absurd amount of long-term cap flexibility. I, I don't. I was thinking about it just mentally the other day. Other than maybe Colorado, mm-hmm. I don't know of another like 
top tier team that has anywhere near the long term cap flexibility we have. After basically the next two years, we've pretty much got a blank slate. We've got Tarasenko and O'Reilly and now Falk. Mm-hmm. And I think literally, like, there's one or two guys signed after next season. Um, but with that said, the path to Petrangelo staying isn't obvious. Maybe they're planning on Falk being the left side right-handed guy. That mm-hmm. seems like a severely strange idea I to me. I have heard people float around, and I feel like they've sourced it from like Armstrong, you know, saying just a few sentences and uh-huh. putting it together that he would be the Bowmeister replacement. Falk would be. Yeah. Could be. Obviously not in characteristic, but in position. Uh-huh. Um, I, I could see that, and that's fine. That's something... He's right-handed, so that's mm-hmm. strange. I mean, you don't want to make too much of that. You don't want to make too little of that, in my opinion. It's just bizarre. It's so it's so bizarre and unexpected that... I really... Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what, what my reaction I, is anymore I will until say, I see it on ice. I will say a couple of things. I would absolutely rather keep Alex Petrangelo sentimentally, emotionally... Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't think in the long run you can pay Justin Falk plus Petrangelo plus Pareko. The you're not going to have all three. Climbing, but you're not keeping all three of those guys forever. Um, so there's an alternative here that nobody's discussing because he's the golden boy right oh, now. Oh, I thought about it, though. But Colton Pareko on two more years after this... Mm-hmm. And I, I don't. They're not trading him now, certainly. Mm-hmm. But you re-sign Petrangelo, and you have two years of both of, two years of Pareko. That could be traded for a king's ransom. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that kind of a trade looks like. On the other hand, very public knowledge that the Blues shopped Petrangelo a lot last year. Maybe there's an offer out there that they know about that we don't. And maybe they thought, you know, maybe this is our opportunity to take that offer and still have help on the back end. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces here. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if another big move happens before, I think, deadline roster deadlines like the. Tuesday, Tuesday next week. Yeah. I'm not saying it's likely, but I wouldn't be shocked, especially with all the teams that still have outstanding RFAs and all the teams that you know need defensemen. All I'm saying is I don't know what this means for the team long term, mm. but I think on the surface level, the Blues gave up a lot. Box a really good prospect. There's questions about the contract extension long term, but I think for us as a franchise maybe we need to adjust to being champions a little bit and maybe we need to realize that this makes us distinctly more likely to repeat just on the surface right mm. now this if our window is now if we're not worried about 5 years from now because we're defending champions and we'd like to get another one in the next 5 years if that's our window 
then maybe we don't analyze the sixth and seventh and eighth year of this deal for Falk. You know, maybe we're more focused on the time being and and what it means for this season, which means we'll have a a very, very good team, which I think a lot of people expected. I think that's something worth focusing on. Dom LeCision projected us for like 101 points. Mm Mm-hmm. Which seems bonk to me. What did we have last year? I don't even remember. Like 96, yeah. I think, or something. I think we could do that. We this, could, yeah. This is a defensive core that should carry a load of the offense. Yeah. well, that's, Quite honestly. The nice thing that Falk does that our other defensemen don't consistently is he shoots like a maniac. Mm-hmm. And he actually scores goals. You had this stat in here. We've got a few more things to read about Falk. From Brian Bartlett. Uh, for St. Louis Blues fans unfamiliar with Justin Falk, over the last five seasons among NHL defensemen, he ranks 7th in goals, 4th in power play goals, 4th in game-winning goals, 25th in points, 25th in time on ice per game played, 21st in even strength time on ice, I assume mm-hmm. that means, and 11th in uh, SAT percentage, which is what I looked that up got, on shooting attempts percentage. Oh, I was like, he got into Stanford. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great SAT <laughs> Very good. 11. <laughs> I got what you get on your SATs. 11. That would I be a very think, bad score. I think it's this good. <laughs> I think like 1,400 or something. Oh, I think you for want thousands. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, Doug Armstrong said Justin comes with a deep and strong resume, a player that has played in the league for a number of years, 27 years old, in the prime part of his hockey career. We feel he is tailor made to today's NHL, a skater, someone who can transport and move the puck, touches both ends of the special teams. Mm, you want to touch phrasing. <laughs> He's logged a lot of minutes over the years. When I look at our group of defense now, probably the most balanced group that we've had since I've been here. Alex Petrangelo has played very well with all three guys on the left, whether it be Don Gunnarsson or Bo Meester. And obviously we know that Colton and Bo Meester played very good last year. I think it is going to give Mike and Craig a lot of different opportunities to have different pairs. One of the things, too, just this year, when you play late into the spring, fatigue can set in. And I think now, having three sets of defensemen that you don't have to shelter or hide, fuck you, Eddie, <laughs> is, I believe, Ian's editorial mm-hmm. inclusion, is going to be very advantageous. We saw a little bit last year how Alex's offense was able to grow as Bomeister and Pareko became the shutdown pair. Petro was getting a better chance to jump into the offense more and more, and we think that is going to be a big positive for him and for Falk. Pareko's offense is still going to be there, obviously. You just put, you talked about their offense, and then it was like, Someone gave him a stink eye, and he was like, "Well, no, 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 no. Pareko will also shoot the puck. Don't you worry. Uh, at the end of the day, we believe that we are a stronger team today because of the addition, and that's our goal this year, to put our best foot forward and see if we can replicate some of the success we had in the second half of last year. Then he was asked how quickly did this come about, uh, and he said, this started last Wednesday. Donnie and I talked. That's Don Waddell, I assume. Uh, and it just started to pick up ground. You know, it starts with what you were looking for to accomplish from both sides. Obviously, we were looking to add a play Fox caliber. I like the idea that he goes to Don Waddell and says, "We'd like a player of Fox caliber. caliber. Doesn't have to be Fox. It could be. It could be better. Yeah, it could, it could be anybody. It could contain we Fox. Give us Jacob Slavin, yeah. you know. But uh, and it was more about what Donnie was looking for in return. He was looking for a really strong prospect. We bandied about different situations where. And unfortunately, there and unfortunately, we had to add Bach to this equation. We knew we would have to add somebody to get the deal done. Joel is a player 
Yeah, is he implying that there was any chance he could just get it for Joel? Are no. you sure? Don't you like Joel Edmondson, though? <laughs> uh, Joel is a player, as I said, has experience and can help them and also help the salary situation uh, in the cap world. Carolina has agreed to retain 14% of Fox's salary this year, which will allow us to be cap compliant. Started last week, we pushed it through the weekend. We got to the point where we were ready to make the trade, and then they gave us a time frame to talk to Falk and his agent. The uh, the point at what at what point did I want to make about this? Oh, uh, one thing I think we shouldn't overlook here is Doug Armstrong has had a phenomenal track record record for trading prospects in that he's never traded one that made an impact in the NHL. And I'm not saying that's true of Bach because he's one of the highest rated prospects. Uh, David Rumblad got a cup when we traded well, Tarasenko true. for that pick, um, so, or yeah, for him. So, but you know, I mean, you Thompson, know. Thompson still has a chance. I'm not totally writing him off, but he was a disaster last year. <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, not going to write him off. But they wow-y. traded Rumblad, Carrier, Red Obera, you know, mm-hmm. some of those guys that just really have not been anything. So, I don't think that's necessarily what's happening here, but I think that. Doug probably has the guys he will trade and won't trade, and Bach ended up being the guy he would trade. So that's a lot on Justin Falk. Um, but it's also the talk of the team. So it's I don't, crazy that he's here. I don't know what else you do. I that's think, just crazy. It's a, weird, it's a weird look to see him out there yeah. with our team. 72, also gross. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you start, I honestly think you start him third pair to Gunnarsson's left. And you do Dunn, Petrangelo, and I think you have to keep Pareko and Bomeister until That's something's broken. You have to start those two guys um, together. So I think you you do that. You let him play up. Um, if game you know if games are tight at the end, you can let him play up on Petrangelo's right or left uh, power play. Obviously, I would say he's the first team quarterback, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least he deserves that first crack at it. But you're going to play around with stuff, but I just don't see any reason to force him on to Petrangelo's left right out of the gate, especially when you have someone as dynamic and as in need of an increased role mm-hmm. as done. And plus, you put Gunnarsson on the third line, which I guess he would be either way, and it limits his minutes and makes him less likely to be injured in the process. So mm-hmm. what do you think about lines? And then we can move on to some of our other stuff. Yeah, I think Falk will be probably starting on that third pairing. I do wonder, just given the fact that what we're paying him, I guess not this year, but in future years, that he, you would think, oh, he needs to be yeah, top I mean, four. But I'm thinking he obviously will be next year when Easter's gone or you know mm-hmm. two years when Gunnarsson's gone and there's just obviously room up there for him yeah and like you said I think they'll they'll move lines defensive pairings around a lot more this year mm-hmm. at least to start I think than any other year yeah which is weird to say given the fact that you really do think they're probably just going to pair Bomeister and Pareko together and connect them at the hip yeah, I'll give him a lot of credit. I think Mike Van Ryan did a really phenomenal job of managing defensive pairings through the playoffs mm. and matchups and everything. That for a young coach, he did a great job. And so I trust. I mean, I, as as inexperienced as our coaching staff is, relatively speaking, I trust them. You know, I supped with them in Traverse City, basically, you know, several feet away from them, but the same thing. And so I trust these men. No. Uh, I, do, I mean, I do tend to trust them and trust their instinct, and 
I think it'll be interesting to see how Mark Savard implements Justin Falk and what's that looks like but for the time being I just I'm I'm excited but I think you talked about a little bit before we were on uh the podcast itself just about how like what is this season Mm -hmm. because it's this weird thing of like it almost can't be a disappointment oh it most certainly can be but yeah I mean of course it can be it'll just be a new it'll be a new disappointment (laughs) we'll never we'll have never (laughs) experienced such a disappointment before in our lives but uh, it's just like so much, so strange what to expect. And we've talked before about like, they could be like 18 and two out of the gate. And then you're just like, whoa, mm. or they could be like a disaster out of the gate. And then you're like, whoa, whoa. Justin Falk was not the answer. So we, we have nothing to do, but wait and see for that. And we'll get circling back around to our season preview here in a few minutes, but there is league news to discuss. People love when we talk about league news. I know mm. that for a fact, but we do it anyway. We get we get lots of mail about it. Some folks it's love it. Some mail. folks don't. But here we go anyway. Braden Point signs the three-year deal worth $20.25 million. Fuck you, Tampa Bay. <laughs> Fuck you. $6.7 million AAV total salary each year uh, is 5.256 and then $9 million, which has a big effect on the qualifying offer and what he can make in the next season, I think, or so Zach Warinsky's contract has led me to believe. Um, Florida has no personal income tax, so Tampa Bay can get away with paying players a little less because players are losing less of their money, says Ian, but mm-hmm. also says the truth. Thoughts on the Braden Point contract, Ian Peters. You almost had the same initials as him, except for half of them. So, mm-hmm. great. <laughs> Ian Tullock wrote about Braden Point. You just get rid of all that middle crap, and it's your initials. So there you go. Braden Point uh, set the market for RFAs, and not Mitch Marner. Braden Point did, or Matthew Kachuk did? No, Braden Point set the market. Okay, okay. Because at 6.75 for three years, it turned into, that was the first guy to sign after as a forward, I believe, that was like, here's how much I'm worth. Besser, did he maybe sign right after that? Anyway. Yeah, but that's a whole different, that's a whole different yeah, 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 yeah. Bag, of, bag of apples. That's apples and oranges. Because he's not as good as these guys just yet. You're right, you're right. With Braden Point, $6.75 million was, I don't know, I guess the more I look at it, the more it makes sense, because they weren't going to sign him to much more other, over like seven and a half if mm-hmm. it was going to be a bridge deal. I guess I didn't think it was going to be a bridge deal, but with what little cap they have, they pretty much had to tell him, yo, if you want to stay here, this is how much I can pay you. That's it, or you can mm-hmm. leave. But if you play in Tampa and... Florida is a nice place for someone with a lot of money. Uh, you're gonna stay there, and they like again. They don't have the personal income tax. They can pay you a little less. You get a little bit more for your money. It's an amazing team. It's a team that's actually a Stanley Cup contender versus some better teams that will try and convince you of such. Just stay there, make your little money. If he gets like two of these seasons, if he scores 40 goals like he did last season, and two out of three of these seasons, the guy's making. Over eleven million dollars next contract easily. Yeah. Oh, he could sure. easily be the top paid player in the NHL for a period of time. So just bet on yourself. Go with the bridge deal. I'm surprised bridge deals still exist 
they've been talking about how they how they're dead, but now apparently they're back and they're alive. And I think you set the market because after this, you got a uh, Matthew Kachuk signing. You've got other guys talking about how like I'm certain that Kyle Connor now is probably like being like, God damn it, now I got to sign for like. <laughs> is, is he Braden Point? He's not Braden no. Point. He's very good, but he's not Braden Point. So Kyle Connor's got a sign for if it's a bridge deal. Uh-huh. That guy's making a little over six. Yeah. I also, I'm always amused by uh, every time somebody declares that something is dead, the NHL immediately revives it. So everybody was declaring the bridge deal is dead. Mm-hmm. And so naturally... It's right back. You'd Everybody think in a league, you think in a league where coaches are recycled mm-hmm. like plastic bottles, that they would realize that nothing ever dies in the NHL. Yeah. It just goes away for a little while, That's and true. then it's right back. Uh, I mean, I think the the punchline of all this is that the six year, ten point eight nine million dollar contract for Mitch Marner is a disaster. <laughs> yeah, it's a disaster. He set the market in a way where we thought everyone was going to start asking for what he uh-huh. was, and instead, all the everybody looked at his yeah. contract, laughed, and said, "Okay, I'll sign for this." <laughs> yeah, they all waited for it. Mm. You know, because if if he'd signed for four years at nine million, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever, then that would have been great for the other UFAs because they could have said, "Yeah, walk me up to free agency and pay me top dollar." But it's a joke. Uh, not. Not the biggest controversy in Toronto mm-hmm. this week. Um, I guess let's touch on it. <laughs> this this is the time. Is probably a poor choice the place. of phrasing. Uh, Austin Matthews, their once and future, but maybe not so future captain, uh, got into an incident in Arizona, his home, not his hometown because that's a state, but his yeah, home hometown. state. Yeah, hometown. Uh, in his hometown of Phoenix, where he apparently, with two of his friends, was severely drunk, and I don't know all the details, but he tried to force his way into a woman's vehicle, and she was a security guard, so she told him off, and then he lowered his trousers and walked away from her with his underwear still up, I guess. He grabbed I his buttocks. Know. Grabbed his... <laughs> they said that. Spread his, spread his butt cheeks, as Mike Honcho. Um... Just a PR disaster for that team. And this is the guy you thought would be your captain, yeah. and you certainly can't announce him as your captain now. Um, so do you do you just pivot and say, screw you, it's John Tavares's, or do you wait yet another year to just do it? From a from a purely hockey or front office perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it's your lucky day, Mitch. Um, from a purely hockey operations perspective, just... Don't give anyone the captaincy. Yeah. Just wait another year uh-huh. and then give it to them next year when everyone's forgotten. Yeah. But from a from a human being perspective, like oh, ew, God, ew, ew, ew. and like Ugh. it was already gross, and uh-huh. you could do the boy boys be boys thing, and like uh, which can... was a bad ex- a bad 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 excuse. Yes. No, it's not a thing, but people people will, will say it. it. Yes. Yeah, they you already can't have. Do it, but people will. So. What I made it feel even grosser was like his pseudo apology, where he was like, "Yes, I'm aware, and I've made mistakes and stuff." But at no point did he actually like apologize for it. And the leading thing he talked about was like he just doesn't want this to be a bad mark on the franchise, and or for it to be a distraction. And I was like, you know, hockey's so like fucked up because they're just like, we got. How does this affect hockey, man? How does this think of the the crest on the chest? So the name on the back, I was like, yeah, I get it, but also you like 
you know, I, I don't know, you traumatize this lady. Yeah. So, like, apologize to her and be like, I'm from a one human being that is a hockey player to another human being that is a security officer. I'm really sorry I did this. Shouldn't have done it. Yada, yada. But instead it was this weird, like, fraternity, like, he's part of the Leafs, so he needs to talk about how this affects the Leafs and, and this organization first. And it's like... No, he doesn't. He needs to apologize to the lady, <laughs> you know, like a human would do. And it was just the weirdest, it was the grossest little PR thing that they wrote for him, I'm sure. And it was, it was, it was nasty, man. I didn't yeah, like, I, mean, I didn't we, like watching him say it. It was like, we don't dude, need, just don't say anything. We don't need to dwell on it any longer. But yeah, just apologize to the person. Everybody's done stupid stuff when they were drunk, if they were drunk. But, uh... Not this stupid, you know. That's all the, the that's the problem with the boys will be boys logic, or we were all twenty one lo- at some point. Logic is like, yeah, I was twenty one. I didn't do this, you know. I, I did stupid crap, but I didn't do this. That's the thing. I've, or anything close to this. I've been drunk and stuff, but I still don't get in random people's cars and grab my ass and yeah, them. you break up your friends' political fights instead. Yeah, yeah. I go whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the money I would pay to have been there for that moment. Uh, Matthew Kachuk signed his deal three years, $21 million, $7 million a year. Seven for Kachuk. Mm. Mm, lucky number. Uh, he becomes the highest paid player on the Calgary Flames, which is ridiculous because Johnny right. Gaudreau makes so little. Uh, I had to double check that because I was like, that can't be true, yeah. but it is true. Good deal for both sides. Man gets paid. Mm-hmm. They maintain control. I don't have more to say than that, do you? No, I heard Talking Head say that he could be the next captain after Giordano retires, and I was like, interesting. interesting. Ooh, over Johnny Hockey, eh? I know. Um, other remaining free agents include Kyle Connor, mm-hmm. Miko Rantanen, Patrick Line. I think those are the three. Uh, is that just it? I That's, think. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else. McAvoy signed. Mm-hmm. Warinsky signed. Yeah, Provorov signed. So, yeah, I think that's it. Now um, there were three. <laughs> and they're all going to play for H.C. Burn or whatever. What does Miko Rotten Feel make? the burn. I think he should get ten. He put up two years of 90, didn't he? Ten, but for, like, how many years? Eight. I would say. Okay, that. ten, three. I'd, I'd, I'd you don't think they're going to do a bridge? Right you don't think they're going to try and bridge him? I don't him? know that he's going to let him. I wouldn't if <laughs> I was not gonna, Would you like a bridge deal? I ain't going to let you. There's no advantage for a bridge for them because then they have to pay him and they have to recontract him and McKinnon at, at the, the same, same time. time. That's true. And I don't know that there's a big advantage for a bridge for him because he's just going to get to the end of it and they're going to say, well, you still have to make less than McKinnon. <laughs> Maybe so. that's why his is taking the longest because yeah. for him it actually is a Mitch Marner comparable yeah. if they're going to yeah, for long term. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Patrick Line, Kyle Connor, like we said, I think he's making... Just Five, over six, six yeah. for three years. Patrick Line, what the fuck? What the fuck do you is think he, he going to make? Do you think he plays for the Winnipeg Jets again? I don't. I think maybe he doesn't. What a disaster. Um, I don't know, because he's like openly bad-mouthing Paul Maurice and stuff, isn't he? I bet you they sign him to some sort of bridge thing. Trade two years after this year. Yeah, two years, six and a half, both years, and then they trade him after this year. Could be. They go, look, we just need them. We need someone on this team that can score. We'll take you under our wing one more time, and you're gone. Too much Fortnite, I say. I don't think they're making the playoffs at this rate. 
That Dustin Bufflin. Dustin Bufflin retires. Big swing and a miss. I mean, you got. You've, I'm assuming you signed Kyle Connor. You got Kyle Connor. You've got great Blake Wheeler. Offense. You got Mark Scheifele. I mean, maybe they have just have enough offense to mm-hmm. win, but they're playing in a tough division. I hope, I hope Connor Hellebuck's amazing. He won last year. Uh, speaking of which, I did my uh, big ranking of the NHL goalies, so if you folks have a time, chance to take that out, it's over at the Hockey Writers. I did a lot of work on that. Mm-hmm. It's like 4,000 words. I so. didn't care for what you called Simeon Barlamov. Uh, <laughs> what did I call him? Oh, you're just... That was a teaser. That was a tease. Oh, well, okay. What did I call him? I did call Miko Koskin in Russian when he's Finnish and Frederick Anderson Swedish when he's Dutch, so that was the original draft. But it's been fixed. <laughs> and speaking of being fixed, last year's this year's Ivan Barbashev is alphabetically first in our Blues season preview. He's day-to-day. Do you have anything to say before we get into this? No. So let's talk about the St. Louis Blues, who are the defense. Stanley Cup champions, no and uh, we'd—I figured we could just start this with honestly just going player by player through. This is the camp roster, basically. Yeah, I think some of these guys have already been cut. You'll know yeah. it when well, you hear yeah, their they'll names. They'll be jabronis. Uh, but we'll talk about that, and then we can kind of wrap up, and then we've got some Q and A questions from the community. <laughs> so um, the universe—that's right. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. He's be- Ian's become a wrestling fan in the last six weeks or so. so. Yes, 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 <laughs> he, I have. <laughs> he knows all of the references. He is fully versed. So there you go. Well, more on that in future weeks. Uh, Ivan Barbashev last year had uh, 14 goals and 12 assists in 80 games, good for 26 points. He averaged 11 and a half minutes per night in the playoffs. He bumped up a whole minute and uh, added three goals and three assists in 25 games. He missed game six of the Stanley Cup final, whereupon we got slaughtered when he uh, got suspended for his hit on Marcus Johansson, and then he signed a two-year $1.475 million contract late in the summer. What are fair expectations for Ivan Barbashev this year, Ian? Mm, I would want, I think I'd want 30 points out of him, maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. Given I don't know, he's playing fourth line. I'm thinking they're going to start him with the whole Sunquest steam line, mm-hmm. and they looked really good last year in the playoffs. I think they have a little pizzazz with. Uh, is he the center on that line? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think so. Okay, because I know Sunquest sometimes switch off. I don't know. Maybe it depends on what side the faceoffs uh-huh. on, but I really do like Barbashev in that role. Our fourth line has morphed into this weird thing where it used to be not a fourth line with Ryan Reeves and Upshaw and all them because we played them enough uh-huh. minutes and then it kind of re- reverted back to a regular crappy fourth line and now it's to this weird young fourth line. But also Sans, very old. Yeah, Sans, <laughs> uh, Alex Steen, who is like the wily veteran. Two more years of Steen. Yeah. Ugh. Eh. He, he did really well in that role last year. It's yeah. just too much money. It's no, yeah. Steen, but. So I'd just like to see if they stick with this line out the gate. I'd like to see what they have. And I think Barbashev really thrived in that role. So I think 30 points isn't too much of a stretch. For and sure. he can kind of plug and chug when there's injuries and move up the lineup a mm-hmm. little bit. I mean, I don't think him playing on the first line and looking relatively productive like two years ago was a complete and utter fluke. I yeah. think he has a lot more skill than a, your... Average fourth liner mm-hmm. has. 
Yeah. I think Barbashev's one of the guys on this team that just needs to rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd love, to, like you said, you'd love to see him push up over 30 points. If he gets some time up in the lineup, he could, you know, push 40. But um, basically, he just needs to be a utility forward who can provide scoring depth and kill penalties. Yeah, he was good on the PK. Play gritty. So he did that. So I said, do it again. Uh, Sammy Blay had two goals and two assists in 32 games last year uh, and roughly had 2.9 hits per game uh, in. Uh, about 10 minutes time on ice in the playoffs after debuting in game six against Dallas against yeah. Dallas was that his first game I think so I guess because there were six before that and five 11 26 yep that's that's how math works <laughs> um yeah he came back from injury and had a goal to assist average 4.6 repeating see how I put the receding dash over there I worked very hard on that uh, and had 11.58 time on ice so an over two minute bump in his time on ice that's uh, one and a half more hits per game and over two minutes more uh, which is a ridiculous increase from playoff to regular season for an unproven player he's on a one year 850 contract after which he'll be an RFA again uh Sammy Blake graduated from the wheel of bodies to something, mm-hmm. but what is the something, Ian? I think he's graduated to Patrick Maroon Light. He's all the flavor and none of the calories. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think while he's not as big as Patrick Maroon, he's definitely the guy that when I look at this team, I'm like, who on this team hits what mm-hmm. who's the person that hits and it's sammy blay mm-hmm. and we even saw a little bit of it tonight in this preseason game sounded like he was trying to you know dipsy do a few young guys on the detroit red wings and then he looked a lot better as he just kind of got back to his physical game i don't think that's what he started as when we drafted him for sure but that's the role he's fit into and because it's it was tiny but yeah, he evolved. It's like that's the role he succeeds in and i think kind of like Braden shen i've said before if he's involved physically i think his game is so much sharper and he's much more on his game. So this year, 20 point, you know, 20 point guy, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see consistency because I don't think he completely disappears. I've never seen it where I'm like, Sammy Blay wasn't in this game at all. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like when I notice him in games I don't enjoy, he's making mistakes. Yeah. And so I think it's, and it's especially like, it's almost the hitting too much, even though it's going against what I just said. But like, sometimes I do think he try to go, goes out of his way a little too much to try and hit somebody. And we saw it a couple times last year where all of a sudden he's getting a puck passed by him and it's a three on two and he's out of position. So hopefully he can shore some of that up. Like you said, he's only 23. He's got room to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blay is one of the guys, excuse me, that I think it's not really a make-or-break season for him, but mm-hmm. especially for him because he's a little younger, and I tend to think he's older than 23 because I know he's a six-round pick who grew up, so it feels like he should be 25 or six. But mm-hmm. he's 23, so he's still plenty young. Uh, but I do think he has has a lot to prove, and I think, as we'll talk about, especially when we get to Sanford and Costin and some of those guys, there's limited spots, and they can't all play 82 games. So what's going to happen? 
Um, and I think Blake, you know, all all three of those guys I just mentioned, if Costa makes the roster or, you know, whoever makes the roster in his stead, McEachern, whoever it is, uh, all of those guys have to prove that they need to stay in the lineup night in and nine out. And the nice thing is, unlike Ken Hitchcock to a large extent, Mike Yo to a lesser extent, Craig Brewery really seems to watch the people who hustle and work hard and really reward them for what they do. So there does seem to be a fairer system of of uh, work and reward here. So I think Boy has an opportunity to prove himself there. He's obviously a player Baruby trusts and likes. Uh, so I think I think you know he could be a, a breakout guy. Mm-hmm. If he, if you know, we we are kind of nebulously projecting Samford to be on that uh, O'Reilly um, Perron line because that's where he had his most success. Last yeah, that's where it, during the where it all ended. But if for whatever reason, I, you know, Blake could also play up on that line, I think, and he could be the kind of breakout guy on that line and provide a really different sort of compliment to them. So I don't yeah. know. He could he could do a lot. He could do very little, or he could be right in between. And I think. In between is probably most likely. Uh, why don't you talk us through Tyler Bozak? Ian? Tyler Bozak, thirteen goals, twenty-five assists for thirty-eight points last year in seventy-two games. Uh, about sixteen, just a uh, sixteen and a half minutes on ice on average. He was fifty-four point three percent in face-off dot. We forget that. I yeah. forget that mm-hmm. at least because Ryan O'Reilly is the face-off king. And right behind him is, I was going to say the face-off queen, but you know, in, in, in the order of everything. The face-off ace. Ace, there the you go. Ace but yeah, you do, you just forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the playoffs, again, five goals, eight assists, 13 points in 26 playoff games. Five goals? When 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 were these? Did I miss like all of them? First series. Okay. I mean, cool, but I like, completely I forgot. look it up. Uh, a little more reduced time on ice. I think this is where you're seeing Thomas get double-shifted and things like that. Him and Maroon, uh, Bozak and Maroon got a little less ice time. Fifty-four percent in the faceoff dot in the playoffs. Again, outstanding. It's it's kind of crazy how good we have become at faceoffs when we <laughs> used to be just awful at it. Uh, two years remain on his three-year deal. When we got him, five million a year on his contract. He signed last offseason. Each of these years, so. It's it's interesting. Didn't we figure out that means that he can't be? He'll be gone. He'll be done yes, in he the be done Seattle the expansion. Yeah. Okay. Um, so bye bye. Sorry, as we mentioned, David Perron <laughs> against sacrificial uh, He lamb. scored three of those goals in the series against the San Jose Sharks. Really? One in game six, one in game three, and one in game one. So, good for him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, one of the things about our playoff run was a lot of those guys had, uh, you know, they they spread out their impact, which mm-hmm. I guess is necessary in a way. But um, Yeah, one guy went quiet. We had a few other guys be able to step up to, like, fill that void. Yeah, but in that six-game series, he had three goals and assists, uh, you know, and averaged 15 minutes per game. So, he did really well. Um, Tyler Bozak expectations. I think he just is what he is at this mm-hmm. point. He's 33. I really like Tyler Bozak a lot as a player and seems to be a great guy. Molly Bozak is a treasure. Uh, but, you know, he's not going to change. I think it's it's maybe fair to expect a few more points from him because mm-hmm. he didn't quite hit 40, but also he had 72 games. If he played 82, he would have hit 40, you know. So, um, 
he's winning a ton of face-offs. He's playing a strong two-way game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would actually like to see him play less power play time because he was fifth on the team last year in mm-hmm. power play minutes, which doesn't feel right. Really? Yeah. Um, I was just trying to think if he played. Does he play PK at all? A little, yeah. Okay. A fair amount, but not as much as power play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's overpaid. We knew that. Mm-hmm. We've known that. But... I'd rather overpay for Tyler Bozak than not have Tyler Bozak right now. I was like, you, so. It's the weird, like, you have to have someone on your yeah. third line as yeah. a center, and you can't be paying. They can't, can't have, all be on a Nassim Kadri contract. Yeah, they so. can't all be a, your most the best center at every yeah. position of your team. <laughs> right. And I was like, yeah, but for what he brings, especially, again, with the faceoffs, I think I think that almost makes him just well worth the yeah. contract for if, forty points and those faceoff numbers. If the Blues were interested in trading Tyler Bozak right now, there would be no shortage of suitors. So. Yeah, you'd find people that need that guy. Yeah. He'd be playing second line minutes on oh, a lot, a lot of, teams, of teams for sure. Yeah. Uh, someone who's maybe playing second line minutes Ooh. on the Ottawa Senators. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Robbie Fabry. No, uh, this is one of our more important discussions because who knows? I uh, had two goals and four assists last <laughs> year. What year is it? <laughs> it feels like <laughs> it feels every like, year yeah. is this conversation. Uh, I don't, and I mean that in like, not a mean way no, to Robbie, no, 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 but no, no, it's no. just like, no, what? what happened to him isn't anything. It is all his fault. But uh, 32 games last year, he had two goals, four assists, and 12 and a half minutes on ice, which shocked me how high that was because um, Berube did not seem to trust him. Mm-hmm. And that dude played like six games under Mike Yo because <laughs> he, like, he went out right after his first knee injury was like, the game Mike Yo started. Over? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then he came in, I mean, he, he came back, like, what, in early November last year, and mm-hmm. then Mike Yo was fired on the 18th or whatever. Uh, he had a goal that we saw in 10 playoff games uh, and averaged eight and a half minutes a little over. Um, I was happy he got that goal. Yeah, I mean, last season was a nightmare for him. <laughs> There's no sugarcoating that. He also won a Stanley Cup. There's no taking that away from him. Uh, on the bright side, I think he will be, he's actually 100% this year. Mm. ACL injuries, they say a lot of times it's the second season back that you really know, you know, what kind of health they're in and what kind of shape they're in. So uh, if this is a make or break year um, for Samford or Boy, it's certainly one for Fabry. The good news is it can't be worse than last year, unless, God forbid, there's another mm. injury. This is his best and, I would say, last chance to show the Blues he's 100%. Um, and, God, I would love it if he was, you know? I mean, I don't I don't expect it. Mm. We've talked as long as this podcast existed, literally, yeah. about, main, about managing expectations for Ravi Fabry. And it's, it's not out of a place of dislike for Ravi Fabry. The reality is... AC one ACL injury is a nightmare to come back from. Two are more than a nightmare, and now we'll see. Now is our best chance to see. And the the problem is, I would love to see him be given an opportunity to succeed, but on a defending Stanley Cup champion team with, you know, really believably fifteen or sixteen forwards that could play every night on an NHL team. Mm-hmm. You have to earn. You can't be given the opportunity, and I think he's shown some good things in preseason. Mm-hmm. But what's his, you know, what's his role? Does he get to play on the top line occasionally and really show that he's a hundred percent? 
I don't know. What do you think about Ravi Fabry? I think you'll probably fill that role, like you said, where it's either Samper Blay or him with O'Reilly and Perron. Um, I think putting any of those guys with O'Reilly is like the best option for them, really, just because O'Reilly's such a good center and so great um, on both ends of the ice mm-hmm. that like that's just the guy where you can possibly be a little less um, worried about playing defense or being perfect next to them. And he's a very, you know, he's a great puck distributor too. So if you want to score, that's a, a line to be on. Fabry, I could see actually getting like 30 points this year mm-hmm. if he's on, which is, of course, like the easy thing to say. I would love that for for that to be the case. I could see it happening. He's not ever going to be great defensively, so he's got to start putting the puck in the back of the net. And that's the thing where, like, He's got had two goals last year, you know, in the regular season. What the season before that was, he, he was completely hurting out. Still, you'd like to see him. He's gonna have to do it almost immediately, you know, because there are there is Samford, there is Blay, there is possibly Costin. There's these other guys nipping at his heels, and if he doesn't produce immediately, he's not gonna get a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, even though he had proven that he was a pretty good player three years ago, um, Sanford and Blay, especially Sanford, have just done more in that time. Mm-hmm. And with this wheel of bodies, we used to have a wheel where like everyone you plugged in old was bad. Yeah, <laughs> Yaskin, old Sunquist. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> The list goes on. Yeah. But, like, you, you just always had this, like, nah, like, they're not going to do it. They'll play for a game, and they'll be okay, and we're going to move them out again. Yeah. But this is a, a, this is a Wheel of Bodies Plus. This is a Wheel of Bodies Premium, where, like, any one of these three or four guys could be a 30-point guy. Yeah. A well, 30, 40-point guy, because some of these guys are young and developing still. Yeah. Well, so you can't just you can't just put up a couple goals and be like, I'm that guy now. That would have worked two or three years ago. It's not going to work anymore. And I think we have a, we have a question along those lines that we'll address towards the end. But yeah, and I think with Barubi, he's shown more willingness than any coach in my tenure as a, as a really hardcore boys fan mm-hmm. to roll with the hot hand and just say, hey, you're doing it, keep it up. Yep. Which is great on the one hand for the guy that catches that roller coaster first it might not be great for these other guys that are going to be benched for 10 games at a time so i hope fabry proves it honestly i've said before i think his his the best thing for his career might be a trade mm-hmm. to prove to get somewhere where he doesn't have to earn the shot you know because mm-hmm. here he has to earn the shot and then deliver yeah, he, you pretty much have to be on the whole time. If he's a minus three, and a, and again, I don't say this to be glib, but if he's a minus three in Ottawa, they're still going to play Robbie Fabry the next night because he would literally be like their mm-hmm. fourth best forward. Oh, that was so. another one of the bodies, Magnus Payar. Oh, there we go. That's yeah. what I was their about. third best forward. <laughs> have to get demoted. Uh, Eric Foley was on the camp roster, just needs to get healthy. I hope he does. Mm-hmm. Robbie Jackson was on the camp roster. He's an AHL body, but a fun one. Uh, Dakota Joshua was on the camp roster. Um, You know, he should be a mature addition to the AHL squad coming out of four years at Ohio State. I mean, honestly, our college scout seems to be fairly reliable. Scout or scouts. Uh, You know, they got Perunovic and Reinke and McGing and Pagansky, none of whom seem like duds. Mm -hmm. Two or three of whom seem like potential 
good to great contributors. So I wouldn't be surprised if Joshua was, I, you know, mm-hmm. and made some sort of McKechnie impact on the <laughs> NHL either this year or next. That's McKechnie. <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't. I'm not counting on it this year. Certainly, uh, Tanner Gaspic will need another year in the AHL for the former Wheat Kings captain. I don't know. He he had a concussion, I think, in Traverse City too. So, but he's play, he played today, right? So yeah, he's I saw his name. Um, but you know, I don't know what the route to him playing in the pros for this team is. Uh, now, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the uh, the hottest. Um, player the hottest man no i would say the hottest name in training camp is quim coston uh who had three goals and three assists and six uh for six points in the three games he'd played in camp so far uh he has looked desperate to make this roster mm-hmm. out of camp now fair warning to the quim coston hype train writers of which i hope to be one soon Consistency has been a little bit of his problem, mm-hmm. so he could make it and then schluff off, or worse yet, he could be sent back down and really schluff off. But at the moment, he looks energized and and rejuvenated and and determined, and he's showing all of the skill that make him such a tantalizing prospect. The question now is, do you think he makes the roster? Does does he touch the ice roster, or does he make the roster? Do you like, think he makes the NHL roster out of training camp? I think possibly as a pat on the back scratch. As a, you're on the team, you made the roster, you're not starting opening night, we'll play you on this weird back-to-back we have, there you go, you got some NHL time, isn't that pretty cool? Now you're back in the AHL. Just to give you that taste, to give you that carrot in front of you and go, you did really well, you earned a look at the NHL, you earned a feel for it, but you're not here yet. Only given the fact that, like we said, we've got the three-headed beast of Blaise, Sanford, and Fabry, and then on top of that, you also have Robert Thomas is back, but is Jordan Cairo, like, I'm assuming Jordan Cairo, we'll get to him when we get to him, starts <laughs> yeah, starts in the AHL. Yeah, probably. That's but he's also the guy that's going to jump up the soonest when a skill guy goes down? I don't know. So I think Clem Costin has a few more people in front of him, but given his great camp, I would like to see them bring him up just to show him what it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... A precautionary roster spot would be good for him because he is very motivated to make the NHL. And I think it's if after this camp, I think he's done enough for them to do just what you said. Like, here you are. This is the NHL you've debuted. Now go be a good boy in San Antonio and work hard to get back here. Yeah, but exactly. Again, and I, I don't say this glibly, <laughs> he could... He could in in Barubi's system, if he's this motivated, somebody's got to start on that line with Perron and O'Reilly. If they decide it's him, he might never let it go. You mm-hmm. know, he's got the talent level, and I'm not, I'm not the hype train guy. So people who are on that train don't hear me saying that's happening. I'm just saying 
It could. That's one of the reasons this team is so interesting to watch this year. They have so many guys that might be important, you know, or could be forgotten or could be traded. You know, we could trade any one of these guys before the season. You, You couldn't be shocked if, like, Zach Sanford was traded before the start of the season. I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just saying... Like, if you looked down at your phone and saw that, would you be like, <gasps> you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't know. I would be a little surprised. They seem to really like him, but I yeah. don't know what this team is. So, I mean, I know they're champions, mm-hmm. and I know they should be very good, but I don't know how they get to that route. Uh, and I do know, looking at last year, that they showed no hesitation to call guys up and let them make the roster out of camp. Mm-hmm. And even cut Dimitri Askin for it. Granted, that was a very different team. But I don't know. I think he makes the roster out of camp because I think if if you want to send the message to your young players that if you work hard, you can be rewarded in this organization, I don't know how you send that message and then don't give Costin a roster shot. Mm. You know, that would be my my take on it. But, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. We'll know in a couple of days. Uh, Jordan Cairo hasn't played yet in the preseason because he's still hurt, uh, recovering from leg surgery. I don't know. I'm making it mm. up at random. Yeah, it was sure. on his ankle or something, I want to say. Anyway, Honestly, could be totally wrong. No idea. Could be totally wrong. Uh, some sort of surgery late last season. Brain surgery. <laughs> he obviously won't start, I would say, in the NHL with all of those questions we just discussed. But I do hope and maybe expect that he comes up and sticks at some point this year. We'll see. I don't know. Next this following year has to be. That's what I mean. You got... You've got a wheel of bodies, then you have like the prospect wheel of bodies. You've mm-hmm. got two different wheels. We are a Segway. That's right. <laughs> or a, I mean, it could be a bike, but no. That's a Segway. Speaking of, do you have more to say about Jordan Cameron? No. Speaking of the wheel of bodies, Mackenzie McEachern, you are on the <laughs> wheel of bodies. And also, Jordan Nolan, you are on the wheel <laughs> of bodies. So... Let's get to Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, you want to read his stats for sure, yeah. 28 goals, 49 assists for a team-leading 77 points in 82 games last season. 20 minutes and 46 seconds average uh, time on ice. He's nuts for a forward. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, consistently over 20 minutes is amazing for a mm-hmm. forward. And then 56.9% in the dot. Almost very nice. Oh, man. So, so close to nice, but honestly, Ryan, not good enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane to me. Eight goals, 15 assists for 23 points in 26 postseason games this year. 21 minutes of average ice time and just and just 50.1 uh, face-off percentage, you know, just yeah. flat average. But those are all draws against Bergeron and yeah, well, Couture uh, and Pavelski. Other good and, uh, players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, 23 points. Pavelski take face-offs? You know what he does, oh, well, too. <laughs> I've, I've never heard. What does he do? I've heard, again, very underrated, but I've heard phenomenal at deflecting pucks mm. into the net. You'd think I would have so, heard, but I've never heard. Okay, okay. Well, you know, 
That's just maybe that maybe this year they'll talk about that's it. That's just what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, well, he's in our division, yeah, so we'll get no shortage of that shit. Yeah, twenty three points in twenty six postseason games. The, now, when I look at it, like, I'm like maybe you did deserve what was forty <laughs> percent of those in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, too? I guess that makes sense. Good for Didn't you. Didn't he have a point in every Stanley Cup game? I think so. It was some like some record, several records. It was at least like five games in a yeah, row or something five, like that. Yeah, maybe that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know winner. who else it would have gone to but Bennington. Yeah, that's your other option, and Bennington was off and on, so mm-hmm. I'm not upset. Yeah, like you said, Con Smythe Trophy winner, Selkie Trophy winner, second in Lady Bing, received heart. Votes. He had five goals in the final four games. And had points in all but game one of the series for a total of nine points in six games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think. He also won 67 and 66% of the draws in games five and six. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah. He's, he's a stud. Having said that, I don't think he's going to get. 77 points again no i think with i think a high 60 i think a high 60 points is is where i'm feeling them at 67 68 it's about intelligently restraining expectations this Mm -hmm. year and being fine with it maybe he is maybe he's just a point per game player now i don't that'd be great that'd be awesome i don't expect it but he's phenomenal, and he's a workhorse. And even if he gets sixty-five points, he's a workhorse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't expect any other part of his game to fall away. He's still gonna be an yeah. amazing faceoff guy. He's still gonna be a great two-way forward. None of those things will ever change. But he just might produce less, you know. And I think that's fair because I think seventy-seven points is his career high. No, by far. Yeah. I think, yeah. He's a stud. Let's just remember to love him if he's a 65-point stud. Because mm-hmm. prior to last season, his career high was oh, 64 points. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily expect 77 again. David Perron, you know, you don't necessarily remember it. Had a phenomenal year last year. I love David Perron, most forgettable player to oh, me on for this sure. roster. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. 23 goals and 23 assists in 57 games. Appropriate. Appropriate mm-hmm. number of games for Perron. 17 minutes time on ice. And then in the playoffs, he elevated that to seven goals and nine assists in 26 games and 18 minutes on the ice per game, including that at the final assist on the on the Zach Sanford goal when he yelled that we're going to win mm-hmm. uh, which was delightful. He's in the second year of a 4 boy, 4 by 4 million dollar contract and I great. He's awesome. I mean, he's a per, like you can't have a better middle six fine forward. Mm-hmm. I was saying to you out there earlier, I was saying like he's on his own wheel of bodies in a way because <laughs> Is he particularly descript? No. Hmm. Does he do any one thing incredibly well besides agitate? No. But if I think last season indicated that the Vegas season was less of a fluke than we thought. Hmm. And I think on a line with Ryan O'Reilly, if he stays healthy, I don't think 25 to even maybe 30 goals is out of the question for him. If he's consistently on that line, 
Uh, but even if it's 50 points and he's David Perron, that's fine. It's $4 million. That's a great contract. And he'll be, be gone in two years. And then he'll be back because he's David Perron. Uh, so I pray deep, deep in my soul that if we let him go to Seattle, we do oh, sign no, him Oh, no, 100%. 100% <laughs> we'll like, sign him back. The he'll last, retire here. The last two times we've done that, I've been like, oh, really? But, like... Uh, now I want it. Now it's like the Lee Stemniak thing where I'm like, this has to happen. <laughs> I, I want him to leave also so I can buy a Seattle jersey with Perron's name on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm yeah. like, yes, this is amazing. This is our guy. And yeah. then right back to St. Louis. You come right back. Um, I feel like he's going to really rock in those red jerseys, too. I feel like hat trick for David Brown oh, yeah, yeah. in the red and white and red and blue. Oh, yeah. That, that feels, that feels like that a 90s yeah, name, too. Yeah, right. That's right. It feels good. Um, any more thoughts on Brown? I think you summed it up well. He's like the best middle six forward you can ask uh-huh. for. Just a guy that can reliably score. Yeah. And honestly, not not terrible defensively. And also, like you said, a pest a weird a weird pest that like just walks away from people and that <laughs> angers them yeah. yes. in a way. So uh-huh. uh yeah, I'm glad we have him. I agree. Austin Pagansky is on the wheel of bodies, but he's not even really. He's like a spoke we've got on like, the wheel of bodies. We've got like, really separate wheels. If you peel away all the bodies, oh God, you know then you, you can like yank him out and use oh him God. as like a cudgel. You know, you know how, how spokes are. Peel away bodies. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but you know, you'd expect Pagansky to have another full year in the AHL. He was a tier five. Uh, prospect for us in the prospect pyramid, but I think he has a chance to make an impact in the bottom six this year. Like mm. of the third tier wheel of bodies, why not Pagansky? He's got <laughs> thighs like carburetors. Them, I don't know what a carburetor looks like. I'm hoping it's thick, but he's got big thighs with two C's. So he's got big thighs <laughs> with two C's <laughs> with two silent G's. So. Ah, Zach Sanford, Ian, talk to us about Zach Sanford. Zach Sanford had eight goals and 12 assists last year in 60 games played, which, as we talked about out there and you mentioned, 60 games? He played 60 games last year? When he wasn't getting his face beat off by <laughs> phrasing by A-Robert Bortizzo. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, in their private time. Uh, 12 minutes and 35 seconds of average ice time for him last year. Uh I agree. It was mostly an afterthought in the playoffs until the Stanley Cup Finals, where he, he was surprisingly oh very God. noticeable. I mean, the, even aside from scoring, he looked possessed. Maybe it's <laughs> yeah. because it was against his hometown, Boston. Maybe. Maybe because it's because it's for a Stanley Cup. That- Get in his head, Bobby Boucher, that guy, and be like, "Man, you gotta, you gotta envision everyone as Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, then you'll always be at your best." Zach Sanford is. A coin flip in the same way that Robbie Fabry is, but also in a completely different way. And that I still feel like I don't know what Zach Sanford is, but I've seen his potential ceiling or peak at his ceiling more recently. And therefore, I'm much more optimistic about him. Maybe that's just recency bias, but I feel like I've seen more out of him recently than Fabry. Zach Sanford's ceiling is like a 30-goal player. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. like his ceiling is very high. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll reach it. Because consistency has been a big problem with him. 
Mm. And even last year, he had times on during the regular season. He had times on that Piranha O'Reilly line where he looked like he was a star in the making. And then at the end of the year, you're like, he had sixty games. What you know? Because mm-hmm. I remember the four where he looked really good. <laughs> yeah, I sure don't remember the other fifty six, other than the face punching. <laughs> but if when I think this is along the lines of another question, so we'll talk about it later. But if we're gonna have like an Oscar Sunquist, like where the hell did this come from? Sort of guy this year. I mm-hmm. think it's maybe most likely to be Sanford. Like, could he get twenty goals? If uh, same thing as Costin, like if he seizes that third spot on that line, mm-hmm. sure, yeah, yeah he's he really good. But maybe he's also just a dud. I don't know. I really don't. I have, I have the least idea what to expect from Zach Sanford. I think of anyone on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, Braden Shin is in the final year of his five point one two five million dollar contract. Had fifty four points last year, seventeen goals, thirty seven assists in seventy two games, uh, eighteen thirty five time on ice. That was good for I believe third on the team. He then sort of ghosted us in the playoffs with five goals and seven assists, but many of those goals very late on in the action he had like that 12 or 13 game goalless drought Uh, but he still averaged over 18 minutes per game i mean i think the expectations for shen are pretty obvious he needs to get back above 20 goals he needs to get more than 12 power play points but he was still third on the team in scoring last year you can't call it a real bust of a year it's Mm. just kind of a c minus maybe you know um do you think this is Braden shen's last year as a blue I do, and I think this will help the Blues in two ways. One, we'll free up money when we trade him or he walks. And two, I think it being a contract year for him, he's going to have a really good year. Do you think... I I wanted to mention this earlier, but we can mention it now because, we, I mean, we still got Petrangelo and Falk to talk about a little bit. But do you think... I don't want to see both Petrangelo and Shin walk for nothing. Mm-hmm. Do you think Army could consciously be looking at the team and like letting people develop and take on roles and potentially like thinking about trading those guys at the deadline? Or at least Shin. Shin has always made sense to me. Like You can replace him, not perfectly, mm-hmm. but Thomas can step up and somebody can step onto the third line in his spot and you're fine. You know, what do you think? Do you think both of those guys finish this season as a blue? What would your over-under be? Um, I guess there's not really an over-under. Like a, what percentage would you give that as? That they both finish the yeah. season with the blues? I'd say that that's at a 33% chance. Oh, snap. That's super low. I'm glad. I mean, I'm intrigued. It doesn't make sense. I mean, you can't let them both walk. Armstrong seems to be extremely forward-thinking now. Like, he already was, but it was to win a cup, and now it's like, we won the cup. Now I need to, like, plan, plan, plan. And I do not see him going, they both walk. What am I going to do? Like, no, 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 no. His biggest ever win-now move was also the one he arguably gets the most criticism for, which was the Ryan Miller trade. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he already wasn't a win-now guy. He's a window guy, hey. Um, And 
I don't, and I've talked about it a lot this summer. I don't. There's no pressure on them to repeat. I don't think anyone expects them to repeat. I'd love them to repeat, but I think it's more important to build this foundation for the long term of a lot of continued success. And I think he can do that, but he can't let these guys walk for nothing. Mm-hmm. And unless we're just firing on all cylinders at the trade deadline, that's my thirty-three percent. If we're just amazing, then yeah, you can't just, you can't trade them feasibly. And, just be like, oh, we're going to trade yeah, them. It's kind I mean, of the Bacchus deal. You can't trade them if you're in a position to win. If we're President's Trophy conversation, for sure, you keep them, you play it out, mm-hmm. come what may. But if you're scuffling at all. Mm-hmm. You just go, and we just won the cup. It's, it's no big deal. Like, Let's read Another thing we didn't talk about, Petrangelo, but like, there's like a 5% chance, and I think it's very slim, where they know he's not coming back. Like, he got pissed off by the trade rumors last year, and he's just said, I'm not doing it. Or, alternatively, he's saying, I won $11 million, and they're saying, not a chance. Mm-hmm. And Armstrong wasn't willing to take the risk on that, you know, coming together over the season. Yeah. Um, in either case, you don't keep him if he's if he, if you know he's gone. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, if Shen stays a blue, 20, more than 20 goals, 60 points, and we're good. Uh, Jaden Schwartz had the weird year last year. 11 goals and 25 assists in 69. Nice. Ooh, nice. Games last season, uh, which was a big wolf in 1808. <laughs> Time on ice, but then he had 20 points, second on the team, I think, uh, with 12 goals and 8 assists and 26 games in the playoffs, including two playoff hat tricks. Yeah, one against um, the Jets and one against the Did Sharks. he have a regular season hat trick last year, or was that two years ago? Anyway. Uh, I can't I remember. Uh, but slightly less time on ice. You know, all the metrics, we talked about this a lot last year, all the metrics said he was fine at some point. He's not fine. <laughs> like, I, I'm, you can only push metrics so far, but all the metrics suggested he was fine. Um, I don't know what to think about his season going forward. He's another guy that it's like, is he a long-term part of this team? Is he an intermediate part of this team? I don't know. But uh, what do you think about um, Jaden Schwartz this year going forward? I was trying to see if he had a 60-point season, and he did way back in 2014-15. I don't know if he's going to get back to that immediately this year, if he's just going to be just as unlucky as last year. Most likely not. But the guy's got to get back to like a mid to high 50 points. <laughs> he's got it in him. He's Again, it's one of those players that when he's out, we have lost our engine somehow. Jaden Schwartz runs this team. I, yeah, I don't know. What do we have left on him? Two years? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think I think given what we know he is, he is an integral part of this team. And I think this season he needs to sort of prove that again in a way. Yeah. Like the playoffs, he looked really good. But I'd like to see him become kind of that second-tier scoring threat to Tarasenko again. You know what I mean? That yeah. used to be what it was supposed to be, and then well, somewhere should, in there he kind of fell around with injuries. He should never not have 20 goals. Yeah, it should be know, a, like 20-plus goals every season. Um, and I suppose... And I think he could end up being your kind of steam where it's like he's never the guy, 
but then he's just always there, you know? Mm. And I don't necessarily think they're looking to get rid of him, but this will be a big season for him to prove that. Speaking of Alex Steen, I don't think there's a lot to say. He had 27 points in 65 games last year, five points in the playoffs. He adopted a fourth-line role. Great team season. Yeah. I'm happy that he, they, for years it was, <laughs> when is he going to be demoted, more or less? Uh-huh. You know, he's getting older, nothing against him, but, like, we constantly, with Hitch at the end of his tenure, with Yo, it was like he's still on the second line. Mm-hmm. He's still third line, but getting like 16, 17 minutes of ice time. He's still one of our best defensive forwards. We got to keep using him. And I was like, yeah, but this is taxing on us as fans and probably on him. And it was just finally nice to see him accept and the coaches show that, no, now you're going to be in a limited role on this team. You can be a leader, you can be vocal, you can be our old wily veteran, but you're not going to be playing over, like, you know, 14 minutes of ice time a night. And I think, like we mentioned earlier with Barbashev, he fits in really well on that line. Mm -hmm. And he can still be called upon for PK. He can still get a little bit of power play time. Um, Yeah, other than the money, I like where he's at. Yeah, I think there's a... He can still be a 30-point player. There's going to be a conversation about retiring his jersey. That's the kind of player he's been in. I don't think they'll probably do it. No, they will not. But he's in a healthy season, he's going to get to 1,000 games this year in the Mm. NHL. Holy moly. Um, He's been here since we've got traded to this team when we were seniors in high school. Yeah. He's been here so long. He'll finish with over 500 points for the franchise and probably over 800 games. Just, I just, I I want us to have a lot of respect for Alex Mm -hmm. Dean is basically what I'm saying. They won't retire his jersey, probably. But there's a, I think there'll be a conversation because he's been here that long and he's done that much for the team. Um... So, yeah, he's old now. That's fine. He's overpaid. That's unfortunate, but it is what it is, and good on him for accepting the role. Uh, you want to talk to us about Oscar Sundfist? What is there to say? <laughs> um, so much and so little. Yeah, really. 14 goals, 17 assists, 31 points last year in 74 games. He had nine points in 25 playoff games. He looked still pretty good in the playoffs, even though he wasn't necessarily producing um you know what? For he what, looked for, best in his absence when yeah. they fell oh, yeah. apart on the penalty. I was kill. like, to be fair, for him not producing the playoffs, that's about the clip that guy should be producing in the playoffs. You shouldn't be relying on Oscar Sundquist to be scoring all your points. Um, yeah, and he looked amazing on the penalty kill. A great two-way forward out of nowhere. It's just that last year was his big breakout season. He'd never scored more than like 10 points. I don't even know. How many points he scored before this? The guy was not producing even when we had him. I forget we had him the year prior. He played almost like Zach Sanford S games. He played like sixty plus games for us the season prior, and I was like, <laughs> "What? Forgot he was even on this team." Um, yeah, so I kind of hope he's the Oscar Sunquist. I mean, I kind of hope. I really hope he's the Oscar Sunquist of last year. And if he is, I think if fourteen goals last year, he could push. He could most certainly, obviously, at fifteen, he could push for twenty mm-hmm. if he has a really good season. At his floor, I still don't think is ever going to be a ghost like he used to be. Yeah. I think his floor is still nine goals. Game equipment. Yeah, maybe twenty-five points. Mm-hmm. Especially if he's playing sort of like that fourth line role. But again, in some of those more important games, where we're trying to lock down a lead. 
the dude got in the playoffs like 20 minutes of ice time on average. Yeah, and they're gonna use they're gonna, he's gonna have opportunities to be used right and left as games go along, as the games yes. develop. And you don't want to say too much about it, but the idea that Sidney Crosby was like, "Whoa, don't let this kid get away," isn't nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not nothing, you know. So. Did you say that about Connor Sheary? <laughs> no, fuck no. Connor Sheary. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just saying, um, he's a good player and good and player. he should be good this year. And I think, obviously, that I want do want to make the point that when we say any of these guys could push towards 20 goals, obviously not all of them are going. To. Each one of them. Will if you add up all the point goals. totals we've said we could have, then we're gonna never lose. But um, let's talk about Vladdy Tarasenko, Ian. 33 goals last year, 35 assists, 68 points in 76 games, and then he scored a whopping 11 goals, 6 assists, and 17 points in all 26 playoff games he played. Really, at this point, it's kind of weird. He's sort of just developed into who he is. There's always room for him to grow, I guess, in the goal-scoring category because mm-hmm. he did hit 40 Four, he hit 40 goals four years ago, then hit 39 in these last years. He's hit 33 in each of them. You would like to see him get back up to that 40 mark pretty closely. But honestly, the guy's turned into as much of a complete player as a sniper can be, is what mm-hmm. I'm going to say. People will always be like, he's not backtracking that hard, or he's, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But like, for for coming in and just being a pure scorer, and now you see him skating hard, you know, on the back check, diving to uh, break up plays. He's got a sneakily good assist game. I mean, the assist to Braden Shen on that third goal in the uh, final there was amazing. Oh, just yeah. quick look right through uh, Zeno Char's legs. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. He's he's fan. I, I, I don't know. He's just a fantastic player, and it's one of those things where I just want to see him produce more at this point. He can only get he can only get better in all the ways that he is already good. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like. I hope he stays healthy, and I just really hope he hits uh, that 40-goal mark. I think that would be really cool um, to get back into that 70-point range, too, as well. I wonder, Stephen, here's a random question that I wanted to toss out, especially here. Alexander Steen, old. He will be off the team soon. Where's an A? Uh Uh-huh. Alex Petrangelo might be off the team soon. Where's a C? Vladimir Tarasenko, where's our other A? If Petrangelo leaves, is Tarasenko the captain? Yeah, I mean, I think the the obvious logic is it'll be O'Reilly. Really? I th- that's the fan logic, at least. Mm-hmm. I'm I not against it. I'm... I don't know that it shouldn't be Tarasenko. I, I oh, thought about it in my head for a long time the other day. There's a lot of rumor that he got kind of pouty because he wasn't considered last time. Don't know if it's true. Don't care if it's true. You shouldn't give it to him now because he was pouty before, even if it is true. But what, you know, (laughs) Ryan O'Reilly still feels more like an outsider. I know he's not. I know he's Mm -hmm. an integral part of this team. He won more hardware than any blue other than I think Chris Pronger has won in a single season. But I don't know. I think there's an argument. And I do want to say about his expectations for this year, I 
really expect a phenomenal season from him. Mm. I think it could be his best year ever because of two reasons. For one thing, I think he may be actually finally be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and for another thing, we he's always put so much pressure on himself to carry this team and and uh, succeed. And I, if he doesn't have to now because mm. there's Ryan O'Reilly and we've got a really great forward group and we've won a cup. Mm. So the 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 thing the thing they all had to do has been done, mm. and I think it will be interesting to see how that affects everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, because as we said before, they they could come out and play so fast and play so loose and and look like that team we saw in November two seasons ago, where they just couldn't be stopped, and that would be so much fun. And I I. I could see Tarasenko. I I expect I expect Tarasenko to hit forty goals. I really do, if he stays healthy. And I could see him pushing to fifty. Yeah, well, he's really. the guy that said I mean, he, he wanted. Skill. He's the guy that said he wanted. He's like one's not enough. So I feel like you're right. Both yeah. the pressure of having to win one cup is gone, but also the drive to win more is still there. And he's going to be like, now I know we can do it. Now I know I can do it. And you're right. Maybe that sort of pressure off of the first one and determination for a second one just propels them to greater height. Yeah, and also if Falk is really a power play quarterback, mm-hmm. that's going to be most important for Tarasenko, I think. So mm-hmm. I really could see, what's his high, what's his season or career high in points? Like in points? 80-something, I assume? Um, no, I think it's always been in the 70s. Has he always been a Cy Young guy? I guess that probably makes sense. 75 was his high. Mm-hmm. Was that the forty that goal was season? Thirty nine. Oh, okay. Seventy four the year before. I think he could hit eighty. Yeah, I mean, he and obviously has it within him. I, you know, this guy has a case if he stays this consistent to be a Hall of Famer. Still, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but he needs to get more forty goal seasons under his mm-hmm. belt. And I think he could start this year. I think he's got all the talent. I mean, we know he's got all the talent. I just I think he's in the right situation. Robert Thomas is unwell, but he stopped being unwell today. He went back to good and returned to action tonight in Club Med, wherever the hell. Calumet, is that his Calumet. name? Calumet, Calumet, uh, yeah. Uh, nine goals and 24 assists, 33 points in 70 games last season. One goal, five assists, six points in 21 playoff games before the wrist injury derailed him. But that hardly tells the whole story. It was being double-shifted late in the Dallas series. Um, was a monster, created the game-winning goal in Game 7 almost single-handedly. We've gushed about Robert Thomas plenty. Um what more do you want to say? I think uh, you got 13 minutes of average ice time last season. I think if you just bump that up by a whole two, three minutes this year, I think you could get 50 goal or 50 points, 50 goals. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. You could, get, you could be a 50 point player as early as yeah, his sophomore mm-hmm. year, and I don't think there's any slumping to be had. I think he was getting hotter as the season went oh, along. Oh, got and better I think and better and better. It's just gonna, it's just gonna continue this year. And I don't want to say this, but do it. There will be a better player on his line than Pat Maroon, probably. Mm. Sorry, just true. <laughs> true. And so you know, even if it's Sammy Blay, more ability to create there could be Quim Costin. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. just throwing names at a wall, but yeah, 50 points I think is is 
would be impressive, but mm-hmm. is a reasonable expectation. Yeah, I'd both be, I'd both be, uh, yeah, blown away, but also would hope to expect that. Uh, you want to read the next few of these? Oh. <laughs> I don't even know how to say that name. Mike Vachon? Vachon. Vachon. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Is that? Do we even draft that guy? That's like an no, invite. he's an AHL okay, guy. Gotcha. He's a, one of a one of the guys we signed the same day. Okay. We got pulled yacht. Nathan Walker. Crikey. He's down to the AHL, mate. Hey, you said in one action. Oh, uh, we got pretty close. <laughs> I almost drifted at the end. He's down to the AHL, comrade. <laughs> uh, Andreas Borgman is a wheel of defensive bodies, but I think has the potential to play if we get an injury or two on the left side there. He's, he's had a much more impressive camp or so I've heard than I thought he did in the one game we or the one practice we saw him in. So that's good to hear. Robert Bertuzzo, all kind of in the defensive wheel of bodies again. Like it looked like he was going to play consistently, he more or less. Twenty nine games last year. Yeah. Jeez, he must be like a, a just a phenomenal personality. I think supposedly he's like life of the party sort of dude. That's great. So they must be like, yeah, you can sit in the I'm box, a- and afterwards <laughs> we can drink. Imagine getting paid over a million dollars a year to be the life of a the party, party yeah. on a professional sports team. You're keeping it light. So yeah, we'll, we'll obviously, you you know him, you love him, we'll see him for about a third of the season. Games, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Jay Bomeister, three goals, three goals, fourteen assists, seventeen points last he's year. He's scoring twenty this year. I'm telling yeah, you, he's that's getting twenty me. points. Uh, no, twenty goals. Oh, twenty goals. Well, well, fuck me. Well, fuck <laughs> me. Um, zero goals. That seems more right. And seven assists in the twenty-six playoff games. Seven he assists seems high. I know that's, that's pretty like... amazing. Bomeister had a slow start last season, but that's most likely because I mean. It was, you know, a monumentally slow start. But like we've sort of talked about on this podcast before, probably due to the fact he's not completely healed from his hip injury slash uh, surgery. So he looked really good at the end of last season, looked amazing in the playoffs and the shutdown pairing with Pareko. I would just, I just hope for a healthy season out of him. And if he's healthy, he's still got all the assets we like in him. A great two-way game. A great defensive game. Still a speedy guy for his age. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just hope he's healthy. That's pretty much that's his greatest asset at this point. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Vince Dunn, 12 goals, 30, 23 assists, 35 points last year, 78 games. Added 8 points, including 2 goals and 20 p- playoff games. Only 20. He got sat that much? Or no, he was hurt. He was hurt. The yeah. He got the, what, the puck to the face? Ooh, Stick to the face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Puck it was Chara. Shot, shot or something. No, Char also got anyway. Lots of jaw hurt. injuries. Um, I you you asked where he slots in with the pairings. Mm. I think top line that makes sense. Is to that me. where he fit? Is that what he was playing in the playoffs? I couldn't remember. Was Gunnarsson playing with what Petrangelo? Was his time on ice? Gunnarsson was out there some. Yeah, here okay. let me look it up. Yeah, they flip flopped a little bit. He was on playing. Where are you? Playoff stats. He was um, <clears throat> almost there. How many points <laughs> did he have? Seven, eight, 15 minutes a night. So that's probably their third and first. It's probably a little Just bit depends. of yeah, swing. flip up and down. So, yeah, without Falk, I guess I would have thought he was for sure going to be top line you know and flip-flopped in between and I guess he still could be it's just that I don't know 
if Locke pairs on the left, and then like you said, maybe they put him with Petrangelo because they're like, he's our new guy, and he's also used to play top line minutes for a while down in Carolina. So here he is. Then Dunn's relegated to the third pairing role, mm-hmm. which he's been on for the last two seasons. I just... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was like, but I'd like to see him with a greater role. I just think Vince Dunn is a special player, and Mm -hmm. I think we're maybe not aware yet of how special he is. As you pointed out, 55% career course E4 for a young, young player playing third pairing Mm -hmm. minutes. That's pretty phenomenal. Remember there was a playoff game, we looked it up, and he had a Corsi 4 of like over 90%. Yeah. It was something just ridiculous. so good at puck possession and everything, and I just, I want to see him get an opportunity. So it feels like quarterbacking the second power play unit and getting some good minutes makes sense. I'd love mm-hmm. to see him average 17, 18 minutes a night and like you said, get 15, 20 goals. He's the opposite of Petrangelo too in that if I remember correctly, well I know for sure Petrangelo could not stop a puck of the blue line to save his oh, life, God but almighty. Vince Dunn like batted him out of the air. Yeah. He was so good at it. Yeah, he's a god at it. And at a, at a certain point that's all I'm asking for. I'm a power play <laughs> quarterback because it's just been not so good. Yeah, for sure. Um, Joel Edmondson is next. Redacted He's gone. <laughs> Sorry, Joel. We would, we, Joel. We would have talked we about We were you. at Joel Edmondson's first career I thought game. about that when I saw this trade. Sad. I was like, oh. <laughs> Justin Falk is here now. Um, you know, we talked a lot about Justin Falk already, but let me look him up for posterity's sake and talk about some of his stats. Last year, he had, what, 49 points, I want to say. Um, 35 points, 49 is his career high. Uh, 35 points was a plus 9. He averaged 22 minutes a night. Uh, 121 hits, 156 blocks. I flipped those two, so 121 blocks. And most importantly, 217 shots. He's been over 200 each of the last three seasons. Um, I'm excited for him, and I would love to see him beat that career high and get Mm -hmm. to 50 points. And if he does that, terrific. And if he doesn't, fine. You know? (laughs) I I mean, I hope he greases the wheel of our power play and really makes a big impact. But, Mm. you know, it's his first season, so we need to be fair. It's interesting because I agree with Armstrong's quote where it's like, this is the time where I don't feel like I actually feel like any of these guys need to be sheltered at all. Uh, I feel completely confident in our entire decor, and it's like, oh, I'm fine with whoever's out there. Plus, uh, we finally have an, a Canadian, or an American. So. I know. I, I also thought about it, like, yeah, America. <laughs> America! You can, you can talk to Zach Sanford, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk to any of those Canadians. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson had three goals and four assists, boom, boom, in 25 playoff or 25 games last yeah. year. And he had a ga- goal, boom, boom, and two assists in 19 playoff games. Uh just be healthy. If he's healthy, he's phenomenal. He was, yeah. I mean, he was phenomenal last year when healthy. When he came back and was paired with a Trangelo, um, he really like kept that decor going there for a while. Yeah, and as you said here, all we want out of Gunnarsson is a healthy season and a few boom boom goals. Mm-hmm. Just want to hear. Ask him for. Yeah, uh, Nika Mikola, I think, is on the wheel of bodies. I think Borgman will be the reserve. 
defenseman? Or, I mean, Bortuzzo will be, but do you mm-hmm. think we'll have eight or just seven? Probably just seven to start. But, yeah, probably two um, forwards on the D. Colton Pareko had 10 goals, 18 assists in 80 games last year, two goals, 10 assists in 26 playoff games. He morphed into a shutdown beast when he was paired with Bo Meester. Uh, that pair is arguably the best shutdown pair in hockey. It certainly was in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think we'd all like to see more offense from Pareko. Um, and I, I have heard tell that he is working on firing his shot more. I, this is like the Robbie Fabry conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, didn't we talk about that last year? Yeah. Um, that'd be great. He's got a howitzer, so he'll still be on the power play on one of the power play units, so he should still be able to put up some points, even if he's being put out there as yeah. the defensive shutdown guy. He needs to be at 200 shots a year, and he wasn't last year. Mm-hmm. I'd like him to be at 250. I'd hurt people. Like, we saw what it did to Bishop, and I'm not like, I don't want people to get hurt, but, like, you put that on a body, it better at least sting mm-hmm. if it's not going to score, you know? And I don't think there's any excuse for him not firing it off more. That's the only complaint there is with Pareko. And, look, we've eaten Crow a lot of times <laughs> for disparaging him a little bit last season. He more than made us live that down or try to live that down. But Yeah, but also be better. So. But also <laughs> stop being such a schmuck. Uh, Alex Petrangelo, we've talked about him a lot already. 41 points last year, 19 more in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, it's a contract year. What are you expecting for Petrangelo? I think he could. I think this dude could get fifty points this year, and I think he's going to push for it. Kind of in the same vein as Tarasenko, they won the cup. It's off your back, but now he's playing for a, a huge contract, which is going to get either way. But if he performs out of his mind this year, he's going to get a ginormous one. He's going to go out there and he's going to try and get fifty points. And I think he has the the ability to, especially given the fact that if he's not going to be getting the tough assignments in Bo Meester and Pareko are, he is going to have better opportunities to score. Yeah. But, again, I, yeah, he'll be on this team the whole, the, whole, the whole year, I think. I think so, but you never know. You just never know. Um... Alphabetically after Petrangelo, Derek Pouliot, Wheel of Defensive Bodies. Mitch Reinke also on the Wheel of Defensive Bodies. I agree that I'd like to see him get NHL games this year. I thought he was going to get a lot until we got Justin Falk. And yeah. now I don't think it's he's going to get fucked up. Yeah. But another reason to wonder if Petrangelo's on his way out because Reinke could step very nicely into a third pairing role next year. Uh, I would think. Jake Wallman, ugh, poor guy. Not, I just don't see, do you think he ever plays an NHL game? Mm, Jake Wallman is the new uh, Jordan Schmaltz. Tommy Vanelli. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of, maybe he will, but he won't I know ever, and we pe- all know it. I know there are some people that still like him. I just don't see it there. I don't see his road. It's not even the talent. I just don't see his road. Well, that's what I mean. If he... Could surpass everyone and was that good, he would be here already. Uh-huh. Yeah, he would have been here when Vince Dunn came up. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Vince that was Dunn, supposed Vin- to be his year, wasn't it, yeah, basically? Yeah, Vince Dunn pretty much went yoink. <laughs> <laughs> they more or less did, to be fair. Um, yeah, so that's what that's all of the defense, right? Yeah. Let's talk about goaltending. Who do you want to start with? 
we'll start with Jake Allen, just in the sense that all there is to say, we've seen Jake Allen so many times, and we're not going to go mull over every little bit of him in his career. But it, do you think Jake Allen is getting the 1B treatment this year, or do you think he's going to be played legitimately as a backup? Basically, the difference being, do you think he's going to get, oh, like, do you think he's going to get, like, over, we'll say, like, 33 games? Or do you think he's going to get under that mark? Because I feel like under that mark is definitely a backup. And I don't think you're necessarily going to start Jordan Bennington, you know, in 60 games. If, I mean, if Jordan Bennington is solid to good, mm-hmm. I don't expect Jake Allen to start even 30. They'll give minutes. him the Steen treatment and finally go, okay, you're actually the backup. Yeah. I... I was real hot about Allen earlier in the week. Not because of Allen. I like Jake Allen, but because of Allen supporters? <laughs> oh no, he's almost there. He's Devotees? Up. Devotees. Cult followers? I, I'm not, not going to get into it because I, I don't want to yell. I mean, nobody wants me to yell. I just want to be calm and just point out that He's not a particularly good backup. He's not a particularly good goalie. And that's not a reflection of me hating Jake Allen or Ian hating Jake Allen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe Ian hates Jake Allen, but if it is, it's only because he stole his fiance that one time. It's just a one thing. It was the Virgin Islands. You can't do anything about that now. It's in the past. It was an inside joke, but it just kept going. <laughs> Jake Allen, at times, can be a passable NHL goalie. Maybe he'll be that in the backup role. at all, ever, for one second, rely on him. This team has forfeited all of its faith in him. And I know you can say his statistics were good in the second half after Bennington took over, but his 2-10 record was not. And you can't say that's an anomaly. It's not 2-10. I want to look it up because it was really bad. Um, and I, I, I don't want to linger here because we've done it. We've gone over and over again. But I'm just I'm shocked that I still have to be talked down to by people who think they understand the goaltending position better than me and think that a negative 590 goals saved above (laughs) average is a good thing and think he was fine last year with his 283 goals against average and his 905 save percentage. He's adequate at being a backup now, and you shouldn't pay over $4 million for that. Any thoughts on Jake Allen? None. <laughs> I was really restrained, folks, because when I was getting talked down to by these people, I was angry. You know, I really was. Uh, he was four two and four post All Star break last year, and nine thirty two fifteen is great, but four and six isn't good enough. Um, but yeah. I I think if Jordan Bennington is good, he will definitely play fifty plus. Mm. I don't think he'll play sixty five. Yeah, and be a league leader. 
but he'd better not if you're paying your backup for it. Like, that's the weird inverse of this whole thing, is if you are paying Jake Allen four and a half million dollars You kind of almost, play him a little bit. You kind of have to play him. So, I don't know. Do you have any more thoughts on the goaltending going into this year? No, I just... It's like the biggest mystery, because yeah, Jordan, Jordan Bennington could, could be, be a pumpkin. Yeah, he could completely just and then slough you're, off. Then you're screwed. Then you're missing the playoffs, I think. Yeah. Then... I know. Jake Allen's great. But, um... Questions? Do you want to get to questions, or do you have more thoughts? Be good, Jordan Bennington. What do you think, realistically, before we we go on, Mm -hmm. uh, realistically, what do you think is um, this team's ceiling, and what's their floor? Uh, Floor? Missing the playoffs. I don't know in what position, but hopefully just barely missing the wild card spot. Um, Because it's still within them. Within this team is still the same team that was dead last in January of last year, or of this year. Um, ceiling? I, they could win the Central. I think they could, I don't want to say easily win the Central, but it's easy to imagine such a thing. You said we were projected, whoever projected us, at like Custance, was it? At like 101 points? Uh, I, Dom. Oh, Dom. Decision. I could see us getting 105. I could easily see that. I could see us just being hot all year in general. A few little slumps here and there, but just being a good team overall. Because maybe we've figured it out. We know what we got to do. But at the same time, maybe we're good. And we just run out of gas because we played until the middle of June this past summer. Um, yeah, but I think realistically, I think we make the playoffs. And I think we are the second uh, seed in the Central. Even though I think last week I said we win the central, but yeah, I think middle of the middle of the pack and or like middle of the floor and ceiling for me is second in the central because I think we're going to be good. I think we'll be I think we'll be very good. He said one hundred and one point four points. He said we improved by point six points after the Falk deal, which is you know reasonable at that high a threshold anyway. One hundred and two points, which would put us, I think. Only Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto are going to be ahead of us. Oh, wow. So uh, I think he says he says the defending Stanley Cup champions remain the best in the West, built upon stingy defe- defense and depth at every position. So he's high on us, um, and he was not high on us last year, if you'll recall. He said basically that goaltending would be our downfall, and it was until it wasn't anymore. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean the, this. House of Cards that hopefully isn't a House of Cards is built on Jordan Bennington being fine. He doesn't have to be a god, I don't think, this year, but he's just got to be fine, and if Mm -hmm. he's fine, we should be great. Uh, Let's go to questions, shall we? No. Kay on Twitter asks, Harold Snapst, would ya? Only only on Wednesdays. Only on Fridays. Harold Snapst is a former blue with a glorious mustache, and I can tell you no more about it. So, Kay, you're going to have to give us more context. We're very, very young. We're still in the prime of our life, and, and we know nothing about hockey history. Apparently. I've heard his name. I've seen his face. That's right. Only Wednesdays for me. Gabe Vandermaiden asked Alan's situation with no question mark. I'm going to assume we address that, um, but I would just say... Tenuous. You need you need, you have to trade him after this year to have more cap flexibility, which is why I was an advocate for trading him this year. Uh, but he's also maybe he plays great and you trade him at the deadline. I don't know. But 
Yes. <laughs> Ian's angry about that proposition. But I think we talked about him. I think he gets ideally 30 games. And oh, ideally. That's about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on the Allen situation? Mm-hmm. No. Tenuous. Uh, Tim Hakala or Hakala asks, among these, who is most likely to step up and score 20 goals this year? All of them. We just said all of them will, get, will be <laughs> we, pushing 20 we goals. We did. We did say that. Uh, the options he lists are Barbashev, Sunquist, Dunn, Thomas, Sanford, Fabry, Blay, Cairo, and Costin all have 20 goal potential, but who will get the opportunities and take advantage this year? Maybe multiple players hit this year. And he said, my money would be on one or two of these hitting 20 goals with Samford Thomas and then Fabry, the favorites. I mean, yeah, Thomas could certainly hit 20. I don't think that'd be shocking by any stretch. Mm-hmm. We said 50, but 60 wouldn't be, like, um, you know, stunning. Mm-hmm. And then I think whoever steps into that second-line role, if, if, as we said earlier, if he finds it consistently, could easily just fall into 20 goals playing consistently alongside O'Reilly and Perron. I think Samford is your betting favorite for that position, and therefore I would tend to agree that Samford's probably your most likely. He's also older and more tenured and more arguably deserving of a of a consistent shot and he also is one of the ones that's played the most regular season games last year so it all adds up to make sense for him we talked about dunn being a possibility i don't think sunquist or barbashev i just don't 20. think they're gonna have the ice time they don't have the do ice it. time fabry same Blade, i think same i think dunn is my dark horse Dunn for sure for yeah. 20 goals yeah i think absolutely if they let him play as kind of a swing man on the power play and and attack and pinch a lot. Yeah, I think he could do it for sure. Any other thoughts on his comment? Uh, none. I like your name, sir. You like it? Keep it up. Good. Good, good. Uh, now on to Reddit, <laughs> where we ask questions. Man, you know, he told us his real name and told us not to call him this, but... <laughs> For old times' sake, I will say Jackie underscore Chan underscore effect. Wasn't it creative underscore funny name or whatever? There was a creative yeah, underscore. underscore. Maybe it's the same it's the guy. Same guy. We'll find out. <laughs> I don't like you. I don't like you catfishing us, Jackie Chan effect. <laughs> he says, "Hey guys, love the podcast. Aw, we'll get better." I'm so we'll sorry. Talk. I'm so sorry to, to be to degrade you like uh, that. My question for you is: How do you see our defensive pairing shaking out once the season starts? I was watching video of Falk at practice, working on zone entries with some of the younger forwards, including my favorite player, Robert Thomas. Good man. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Good pick. And Falk was playing as a left-handed defenseman in the drills. To me, that suggests that he will be playing on the left side for us, but the question is, with whom? Would you rather he be paired with Petrangelo or Pareko? By the way, my name is Dave. You don't have to refer to me by my Reddit username like you did last time, though it was funny hearing you read out the underscore symbols and hearing Ian correctly say that I wanted to be able to use spaces, but Reddit wouldn't allow it, because Reddit is a communist dystopia, Dave, and we belong in a greater community. A city on the hill, that is what we shall form. I don't know where that. You just gotta seize the means, boys. <laughs> seize the means. Thoughts on the defensive pairing? I mean, we've talked about this already. I uh, think they. I think Falk will get. I think Petrangelo's game one, left. Falk is going to be on Petrangelo's left because not that he doesn't well, deserve it, game, but that's the shiny new toy yeah, to that's show true off. Too. That's true too. Yeah, game one. I think that makes the most sense. I hate to see Dunn relegated from that, but 
you know, maybe he's maybe him and Falk are like the both on defense on the first power play. I'd be fine with that. That'd instead be cool. of the random like because I think those Staying guys have the top. talent. Yeah. Please, you now have Falk. Dunn should be a quarterback. I don't want to see Steen up there anymore. No, I think no. he was still there or last even year. Even Yeah. That's not. Yeah. So, yeah, Dunn on the left makes sense. And it's fine. You know, two same-handed guys. It's not the end of the world. So, yeah, I think it's Falk, Petrangelo, Bo Meester, Pareko, Are Dunn the- Gunnarsson. <laughs> this is stupid. My brain is just blanking. <laughs> Left-handed plays, like if you're facing the net. I'm facing the net I'm shooting at. And and you're shooting left. Yeah. You're on the right side of the zone, right? From, like, behind the zone. Oh, Basically, God. are the defender sticks facing each other? No, they're facing they're the facing boards. They're facing the op- boards. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's so that... So left is on the left side and right is on the right. Okay, see, I'm dumb. So that's why I asked these things. Um, what were you saying? Oh, it's so that they can, like actually play along the boards and stuff. That makes yeah, sense, yeah. yeah. I get it, because defensively, you're like, we'll get the stick in the way of uh, everything, but yeah, it's along the yeah, boards. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then finally, the Earthmaster on Twitter but says... me a second guess myself. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Uh, he says, I've got a few, uh, and some of these we've touched on. Given Costin's decent training camp, have you reconsidered his position on the prospect pyramid, or are you still bearish on him? Ooh, using a stock market term. That's my day job, Earthmaster, and that's going to cost you extra monies. Um, and then he said, same question for Austin Pagansky. You know, we talked a little bit about Kostin earlier. I think you could push him up to a three easily. It was kind of a, a statement to put him at a four to begin with, just to point out that, like, hey, hasn't been consistent. He's He's got all the skill. He, he On skill alone, he should have been a three, mm, for sure. Maybe even a two, but consistency was the problem. So, yeah, I think you can bump him up. I haven't heard as much about Pagansky's camp. I'm guessing it's been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not going to fight you if you want him to be a Tier 4. I'd still probably keep him in Tier 5 just because I don't see the pathway mm-hmm. to the NHL as, as clearly as some of the other guys. I'll, I mean, I'll fight you on that because pyramids can't be changed. Set, they're set <laughs> the in stone. They're set in stone. There's no discussion. Yeah, you're going to have to wait till next summer. Yeah, that's, and several that's when the only movement happens. That box got to stay on that all year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Costin definitely probably should have been a three. It was kind of just a little bit of a like, hey, pay attention sort of thing with him mm. all along. I think this is a year for him, especially if he doesn't, even if he does get the call up for a little bit, you know, a game or two, where he just needs to show consistency in the AHL. This last year was his first AHL season, yeah? Mm. So I think this year, just show that he belongs there and that he can score at that level, do that, and you're an easy call up because mm-hmm. you're like a top-end prospect for us. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, with Petrangelo and Shin still to sign and Vince Dunn and RFA in order to keep everyone now, we would likely have to trade one of Bozak, Steen, or Allen in order to make cap room, assuming no Bowmeister next year. Either, if you were Doug Armstrong, how would you handle this? This is asked in the spirit of a fun exercise and not supposed to be stress-inducing because we're Stanley Cup champions and all those players are Stanley Cup champions, so who cares what we do? That sounds like the disclaimer at the end of a medical commercial. Yeah. You know, This is asked in the spirit of a fun exercise. And it's not supposed to be stress-inducing because all these players are Stanley Cup champions, you know. I'm very stressed now because Um, there are too many words in that question. (laughs) I'm so stressed. We we talked about this. 
Petrangelo and Shin could both not come back. There's one solution. I think mm-hmm. Allen's gone after this year. There, you can't. I mean, unless he, if he's a backup this year, you can't keep him another year. If anybody will, if take Bennington him. proves that he's a fine starter, <laughs> you got to get rid of Allen. And I know people say other people teams are playing more for their goalie. That's because they're paying an elite number one as an elite number one. I will not have this fight. I will not relitigate this. <laughs> I will not. Well, the thing is. Whether or not other teams are doing that, that's four. What is it? Four point three million or whatever it is mm-hmm. that we free up. Yeah. But other teams are paying that, but we don't have. To. I don't. We could be smarter than other teams. I don't particularly want to trade Tyler Bozak, but he'd be an easy mm-hmm. shed. And and if if you're keeping Shin, mm-hmm. you can trade Bozak. I'm sure someone would take a year of his deal for five million. Somebody's always got to hit the cap floor. And then you can just put Thomas in at three C mm-hmm. for now. But I that Shin is the one that makes the least sense to me because to me he blocks Thomas from being a second center, mm-hmm. which he needs to be. And why pay for that? Why pay money? Yeah, when you don't need to. When you don't need it's to. It's a young. <laughs> it's a young league. They're yeah. paying. They're. You're seeing more and more teams have to use young players on their entry level deals mm-hmm. to make a big impact. Yeah. You should do that too as a team. And also, I people are probably underestimating what Braden Shin's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Eight million's not out of the question for him with what Kevin Hayes was just paid. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. So also Dunn is our RFA. I like what happened this summer. That's fantastic. Dunn unless he has just an outstanding, like just a bonkers year this yeah. year. Making getting three years bridge deal at like. Five million, maybe even under. Yeah, yeah, he's which not, is fantastic. We're not going to have to like overextend to get him to stay. I don't think. Um, our power play the other night against Dallas was um, not very good, and it hasn't been good throughout the preseason. Obviously, it's very early, but is it possible that this group of players just don't mesh and well uh, mesh well together on a power play unit? One criticism with Falk from Carolina's people is that he's got a good shot, but he's bad at QBing the power play. We happen to be very good at five-on-five play. How do you feel about the power play unit that includes both Dunn and Falk, or just a power play that is three-forward 2D in general? I'm always in favor of three-forward 2D. I think the idea of putting a guy at the point on our team is stupid because we don't have (laughs) snipers, and Tarasenko isn't a distant shooter, really. I get the idea of him, like... He winds it up. I get the idea of him, like, rotating in, in, but I don't know. It's never made sense to me. He doesn't have a one-timer, which is frustrating. Um, I I love the idea of Falk Dunn as as the back end of a power play. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. I think... (laughs) <laughs> why, with the power play as bad as it was in the playoffs and as bad as it's been in this preseason, why would you rule anything out? I mean, if you find out that Oscar Sunquist is a power play contributor, if you find out that Sammy Blay is a power play contributor, I don't give a damn. You just need to get the power play to 22% conversion rate and keep it there. You know, I'm not going to rule anything out. One of my favorite things about... Put Jordan Bennington on the point. (laughs) One of the things I like about Pat Maroon not staying here Uh, is that we no longer have to have the Pat Maroon behind the net stuff stuff it in front thing that he was doing, which I get as like a draw play too, and it draws their eye to the behind the net, and you're able to free up people moving. We never did that, but... We don't... 
move. Oh, yeah, we don't move at all. We don't rotate. This team doesn't have... We're not really dynamic. We're not a dynamic I was going to say, I, and this is something I think Jordan Cairo will be a breath of fresh air. This team doesn't have creative passers at all. I mean, um, O'Reilly and Dunn, but we don't have that, like, playmaker guy, really. Even O'Reilly's really not that in, like, the Nicholas Backstrom sort of way. No, he's, like, know? a good passer, but he's like fine, you said, but it's, he's like, not like, the, the obvious wizard, pass. You know? yeah. yeah. And so... We need that, so I don't. I don't think we have the personnel to be a top tier power play, but we should be better than we were in the playoffs. No questions <laughs> So we were one. That's one Savard's job. That's obvi- Here's the thing. There's there's disagreement on how good power on how good Falk will be on the power play, and the Blues obviously didn't trade for him, thinking he sucked at that. And I tend to trust our scouts pretty well, pro and amateur. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to see. We're going to see. And and he's the most obvious power play quarterback we've had since Shattenkirk. So we'll see. And I'm trusting that it'll work. And I, here's the thing. I'd rather it suck at the start of the year and be good in the playoffs. Mm. Well, we've seen that story anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. But, like, I'd rather go that than be okay at the start of the year and then be nothing in the playoffs, you know? Um. And then he said, and finally, as a fun one, well, let's actually end because he has a postscript. Oh, and when you talk about Falk, I'd be interested to know how you think the defensive pairing shake out. We already answered this, Earthmaster. Come on. Get Don't with the ask program. Us again. Um, Bam. He said, if someone plays their offside, if we roll things out pretty equally, if you haven't planned to talk about it, LeBrun mentioned Winnipeg as having issues juggling Myers, Trouba, and Buffalo. Well, they ain't juggling any of them anymore. <laughs> wow. What a, what a turnover. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then his final question, as a fun one, who's your favorite non-Blues player in the league? Uh, you know, I thought about this the other day and had an answer, and then it escaped me. I like Vincent Trocek a lot mm-hmm. as like a kind of off-brand one. I like uh, Alexander Barkov as like a more famous one. I really like... Miro Haskinen, as much as I hate to admit it, because he's a Dallas star. Um, but those are a couple of mine, and I'll think about it again for a minute. Who do you have? Oh, Brendan Gallagher. Oh, you do love Brendan Gallagher, oh. yeah. Mm. You sure do. Um, I mean, I like... Uh, I like uh, 33 goals last year. He's a star. I mean, he's a monster. He's a little monstrosity. I like Clayton Keller. I, I like Ben Bishop. I like all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Gibson. That's probably that's the one I was thinking of the other day. Is John Gibson? Yeah. It's like I'm a John Gibson mark. I'm a big goalie guy, so I think I like Bo Horvat for some I weird love reason. Horvat. Yeah, there are a lot of guys. I don't the captain, the new captain of Vancouver Canucks. Is he? He, he got is. named captain. Hey, go Bo! Um, I feel. I mean, especially in in the light of having won the cup. But I think this was true some last year. I don't feel a lot of animus towards anyone right now. I, I hate well, not yet. The, I hate the Maple Leafs. I despise the Maple Leafs. That Matthews thing certainly didn't help that. <laughs> uh, and you know, I as ritualistically hate the Blackhawks and Predators. But 
in terms of other teams around the league, you know, I used to like loathe the Penguins because they were so good, and they suck now, kind of <laughs> relatively, you know. So I've, I don't I've learned them. to like Sidney Crosby. I like Sidney Crosby. I liked his interview. I like. You know, I hate the Sharks, but mostly because of boredom, and that's going to be over real quick. They're they're done, I mm-hmm. think. So, I like a lot of people. Connor McDavid's pretty good, and I've heard he's all right. You know, dry side on dry cycle. I like the quiet crouts. fifty points. I like the crowds, fifty goals. Fifty, yeah, fifty goals, my man. Quiet ninety five points. Man, nice, good player, good plur. Uh folks. When we next speak, there will be a regular season game in the books. That doesn't make Unless any sense. Unless you listen to, to the STL podcast if we record one between now and then. But it's been a fun off season. I'm thrilled and also terrified to be back to the regular season. Any closing thoughts about this off season, about the Falk trade, about the season preview? Um, I'm I'm ready for hockey. Because I want to know what this unknown season is going to be like. Mm-hmm. This season is so interesting to Does me. Does it feel weirdly more unknown than like anything in recent? Yeah, years? well, because we every year is the same year. Mm-hmm. We just we are we going to be good? We are good. We didn't win the cup, and in different ways mm-hmm. they let you down in different ways. But this year, this year they could literally. Everything's new. They could let us down in the newest, weirdest way. <laughs> but I also feel like this team's so prepared that, like, I'm going to hate it when we're bad and everyone mm. shoves it in our face. They go, well, you know, they were bad last year and they won the Cup, so just have faith. I'm like, we're 0-20. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you just got to have faith. So I don't look forward to that because that's the armor that this team now wears is that if you're a bad team, you can still you can make the playoffs, though, mm-hmm. easily. So I hope we're not that. I genuinely hope we come out of the gate, and I don't think we're going to be on all cylinders, but I hope we come out and we're we're winning games. I hope we're winning 60% of the games at least, so we look like, hey, this team's pretty fun. you got some things to work on. I think the Falk trade honestly energized me a little bit for this season because until then... It was like, yeah, it's generally the same team. This will be interesting to see. But now it's like, oh, this is actually a very large piece that makes it a different team. And yeah. now I'm, I'm, ooh, this should be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. And, and I'm excited to see Falk in action. And I'm really, what, here's a fun way to close this out. Which three players are you most excited to watch? Oh, season? there you go. Because I think... I will start with Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. I talked about it. I think he's healthy, and I think he's pressure-free, and I think he could have a monster season. You want to switch off, or you want me to go to my next one? Um, I think for me it's Thomas. I think for Robert sure, Thomas, because I just expect I expect great things from him at this point. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I, I don't think he's going to, I don't disappoint. think it's going to disappoint <laughs> no, at all, no. for sure. Uh, Samford's one for me too, if, especially if he gets that second line role. Um, and I mean, Falk or Dunn, take your pick. Either one of them. Yeah, I was gonna say, I say Dunn and Falk, and if I just lump them together, I guess my third guy would really just be um, in a weird in a weird way. I don't know why. Braden Chen. Yeah. I think. Could he? He could be a monster this year in a yeah. contract year. I think if Schwartz bounces back, I think he's that's gonna help Schwartz himself and Chen. And even if this is the last year that he's a blue, I think he's going to have a really good last year with yeah. us. 
And the nice thing about all these guys is anyone who leaves is going to be a Stanley Cup champion yeah. St. Louis Blues. So that is really there's nice. There's never going to be hard feelings. Um, until we're cussing them all out. Yeah, until 6 1 rubbing at the hands of the Washington. God damn it. Oh. But until then. No, no, no. Hold on. Okay. What is your what is your prediction for the score next week? What do you think the How quick how quickly my no. brain goes right back to just despair. Four to one blues. Really? That's what I'm saying. I'm wrong. We will lose. We'll lose a hundred percent. Five three capitals. Okay. Four to one, five three capitals. I think you're more likely to be right than I, but we'll find out. Uh, we'll be here. We're going to record Wednesday night because mm. it makes sense. And we've got other things to do on Thursday, which we'll tell you about it another Ooh. time. But until then, uh, let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. Let's go Blues.